treaty violations as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion is Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff. Before the girl word, no podcast is gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 267 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me today, we've got... I'm drunk! No, I'm Sun. Hello! Hello. Well, hopefully we may have some others joining us in a little while, and if during the show I sound a little bit out of breath, I'm trying to get my steps up while also recording... Yo, Doug, I heard you like walking, so we gave you a step stool that you could walk with while you're walking on your step stool. Who says men can't multitask? (laughs) (laughs) So, first of all, we're going to go in a slightly different direction. We're actually going to head over straight to the main viewer. Main viewer. Star Trek Discovery. Since we're last on the air a couple of weeks ago, we've had quite a few bits that have come out. Oh my god, all the news! I'm liking what I'm seeing. It's raining Discovery. (laughs) So, um, first of all, there's something from trekcore.com that said about some um, storyline hints. I honestly haven't read this one. (laughs) So, um, basically in Entertainment Weekly, there was a three-page feature interview. Now, this was with showrunners Aaron Harberts and Gretchen Berg. And they spoke to Entertainment Weekly's James Hibbard. So they asked about the development of the show and its cast. So um, what they did is they said, in addition to revealing that one more factor that led to some of Discovery's production delays 
was the need to wait for um, Sonico and Martin Green um, to be available after working with The Walking Dead. So um, it said that um, Burnham's background, um, that she was the first human to attend the Vulcan Learning Center and the Viant Science Academy. So she spent a lot of time on Vulcan, but she is human. And yes. Sarah... <laughs> Derek plays an important role in her life, which has been completely planned until she makes a difficult choice that sends her life on a very different path. When we meet her, she's the first officer of the starship Shenzhou. Um, Burnham's choice that we're alluding to is the most difficult choice you can make. It affects her, affects Starfleet, affects the Federation, it affects the entire universe. That choice leads her to a different ship, the USS Discovery, and there we begin what Gretchen and I call our second pilot. So, um, yeah, that was a quote from, um, that was Harbert who had said that. So they then go on to say, Harbert's also detailed how Discovery's well-publicized serialization plan will come to explore the characters. It's a serialized telling of a tale, an exploration of one particular character, Michael Burnham, or Mikkel. Burnham, we're not quite sure how that's going to be pronounced just yet. Along the path of discovering what it means to be human, finding her individuality. These types of stories have always been really well told in Star Trek movies. It has been hard to do on the television iterations because episodes have been so close-ended. The joy is in its journey. The advantage to Burnham not being in charge of the bridge right now is we get to tell stories from a different point of view. It's a fresh feeling that we're not on the bridge all the time. We get to access more parts of the ship. It's it's interesting because this this kind of gels into some of the speculation that came out early on when we saw the pictures of of her and what we assumed was Sarek at the time. And it was, is she half Vulcan like Spock? And it's like... You can't do that because Spock is the first successful hybrid. So you can't do that. Well, is she then some human that was adopted, like, through an accident or something, by Vulcans? Well, that looks like it might be a little bit more likely. Or it could just be she was part of, if her parents were in the Federation, they were stationed on Vulcan as maybe part of an embassy there or something like that. We don't know yet. But what I like about it is having Serac in there makes a lot more sense because he was married to a human. So right. having him deal with her. We also know that he was part of the Science Academy. Right. So he would have helped her get in. So, um, and we then can probably explore a bit more about Serac as well because we know how he had a lot of trouble with Spock. And maybe a lot of what transpired between what we knew in TOS and what we saw in TNG become part of that could have been because of what happens in these stories we get told now. Yes and no. I would see I would see a a Sirach, no matter no matter what kind of what kind of teachings or upbringing he has with Spock. I can see him being a lot more patient and a lot more understanding 
of Sinequa Martin-Green's character because she's not Vulcan. See, that's the thing. The The interaction between Sarek and, and Spock was always under the assumption, you are Vulcan. Even if you are Vulcan in part, you are Vulcan. So I'm going to have a relationship with you that is based completely in Vulcan. He never had that with his wife. See with his with with his wife, he was understanding, he was very patient, and he was willing to explain things that she didn't understand because she wasn't Vulcan. Yeah, we saw but, that in Journey to Babel. But what I'm talking about more is the fact that Sarak really didn't like it when Spock left to go to Starfleet. So for this new leading character that we've got, who's obviously been working with Sarak a lot, I would expect, right. her to then go do the same, because we don't know exactly what... Well, Spock was, would have already been part of Starfleet, actually, at the time, yeah, wouldn't he? Yeah, at this point, he so. would already be part of Starfleet. He would already be part of Starfleet. He would probably be, at this point, in in the academy or freshly graduated from the academy or not so it'll be interesting to see how things go with serac because if he in a vulcan way holds a grudge and disapproval against spock for choosing starfleet rather than what they've been taught more in sort of the science academy to sort of maybe go in another direction within a vulcan institute it, I'm just saying something like that. It would be an interesting story to sort of figure out. Well, it would it would be a it would be a kind of come to grips tale if you had this lady who. Well, I mean, well, no, she's done every. At this point, she's literally doing everything that Spock has done. Spock graduated from the Vulcan Science Academy and then went to join Starfleet. Yeah. Which so, is exactly what she's done. Which is what I'm saying. It'd be interesting to see what Serac does with this, because in a way it's happening to him again. <laughs> well, well, no, it's it's already happened to him twice because both both Spock and Cynical Martin Green have graduated from the Academy of Starfleet already. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. We know how distant he was with Spock and whether or not him being part of this show is there's some sort of character his, drama with his, that. His, his come to Jesus moment with Spock. <laughs> because one of the things that's been talked about with the new series is Gene Ronbury never wanted any sort of character or drama. They didn't want any... Gene wanted a happy union, everybody gets along show. Yeah. And we know that people like Ron Moore and people like that really didn't like that. Um, sort of Ron Moore, one of the things he did with Battlestar Galactica. Lots of internal drama. Because <laughs> it what made that show great. And, and I would argue that's kind of what made both DS9 and Voyager good TV. Even though they had some real stinkers. Yeah. So, because in, in all of this happy-go-lucky, everything is perfect, you had like these fringe things happening where people were literally looking at themselves and going, 
are we still who we are because of the shit we've gone through? And even in Enterprise, we actually saw that. And of course, all that came after Gene's death. So to know that we're going to get more of that, I'm happy with. It's a, it's, it's, it's a bit of honesty in humanity that I really think that Trek has, has kind of needed. Yeah, well, I can see why Gene wanted it, because he wanted a portrayal of this type of future. Although, even in a perfect system, there are always things that happen in order to try and keep the perfect system. Well, well I, would, I would agree with that. If not for the fact that I would say he wanted no character drama between between the crew, specifically specifically because of the cast that he had with the original series. Hmm, that's of course possible because just casting. Just yeah, just think about it. You've got you've got this obvious Russian guy during the the middle of the Cold War. The, the U.S. still blamed Japanese people for Pearl Harbor, and here's this Asian guy who looks kind of Japanese-y on a ship. Yeah, I don't really think character drama is a great way to sell this new sci-fi show where everybody's gone, gotten past, in some respect, all of the, the racial hatred of, of uh, you know, the, the world. Yeah, but then he wanted to keep that going, though, when it came to the next generation. So a couple of decades later, a lot of things had, by that point, moved on. But it seemed that he hadn't. And, and to an extent, I can understand that. We, we, we as human beings get old and cranky and stubborn, and things we think should work, like you canon people out there who don't think this thing or that thing is true to the original, will get... All up in 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 everybody else's grill because they can't they can't change with times changing. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, before Majel died, listen to any of the interviews she did. Listen to the interviews Gene's son did. Yeah, no, <laughs> there was all kinds of stuff in Gene's life that he was a stick in the mud about, and he could not let go for the life of him, even though he wanted to. So, um, no, I, I think what we've heard so far is good. Um, the article then goes on to say, um, from another quote from um, Harberts is... Now, this was the Will Star Trek Discovery's writers be following um, that rule. The Roddenberry rule, yeah. The Roddenberry the, rule. The drama rule. Yeah. And... Herberts and Berg say no. And then Harberts says, no, we're not held to that. We're trying to do stories that are complicated, with characters, with strong points of view and strong passions. People have to make mistakes. Mistakes are still going to be made in the future. The thing we're taking from Roddenberry is how we solve these conflicts. So we do have our characters in conflict. We do have them struggling with each other. But it's about how they find a solution and work through their problems. Berg then said, The rules of Starfleet remain the same. But while we're human or alien in various ways, none of us are perfect. They're also breaking the other Roddenberry rule too. With the Shinzao having a bridge on the underside. 
<laughs> um, They're breaking all the rules. Well, they need to do things a little bit differently. They need to expand what we've got. To do things exactly the same is not going to bring in a new audience. And at the end of the day, the show is created to target a new audience. Mm-hmm. Because Trekkies, regardless how much people look at it and go, ugh, 99% of people who are Trekkies are going to watch it. So, Even if they're watching it just to hate watch it. Exactly. So the target is not for people who already love Trek. It's for getting new people in, because at the end of the day, it's those new people end up spending money on getting the old stuff as well as the new. This is for all you people that secretly like Voyager, but you scream that you hate it at the top of your lungs. I see you. I know you exist. I love Voyager. Always have. Always will. Still my best Star Trek series. TNG was my intro to, to Trek, and Voyager became my Trek purely, purely because it felt the most equatable to real life to me. For me, what I appreciated about Voyager was their struggle of trying to get home. And sort of, I know a lot of people bitch about sort of, especially Janeway, oh, one moment it's, yeah, that's fine. Next moment, no, that's not. But, and sort of, me, it was different circumstances. There are going to be some aliens who say, no, you can't pass here. Well, if you can get your crew home, it's not really going to cause any major problem. And you've got the bigger ship and better weapons. You're not going to go, yeah, okay, I'm going to take us another 15 years to go around your space. So... Gear of Hell comes to mind. Well, again, the interaction they first have with that first ship mm-hmm. is completely different. Yep. From the first to the last. The second one is, this space is in dispute. Okay, fine, we'll go around. Yep. But the first time, it was, you'll be boarded and things like that. It's like, these people, these people don't, we wholly outclass these people. They, they expect to board us. So it's just like, it's like in life. One person can come up to you and go, oh, hi. Next person comes up to you and tries to hit you then you do react differently. And in some ways it bugs me that people say, oh, Janeway was sometimes like this, sometimes like that. It's just like, well, again, it always depends on... You were sometimes like this and sometimes like that. Yeah, and it's just like... Depends on the situation. It depends on how you feel. If you've woken up and had a bad day by the time you get to work, you're in a pissed off mood, and even if someone's nice to you, you could be at their throat. So, <laughs> it's just like, seriously. Something, something proverb, something, something about camels and straw. And it's just like, look, they're all alone, there's no support. Yeah, sometimes, different situations, different times, depending on what happened at the last Alien a week ago, <laughs> there are going to be different decisions. It's um, really, it's really, it's really fucked up that their that their only support was the infusion of crew members they got from the Equinox. <laughs> well, yeah. So it was just like, so when I saw Voyager, I I never saw it like that. I know a lot of people did, but mm-hmm. it was the same with like Cisco and Picard in some respects. 
depending on what is happening and things like that. You would think you wouldn't normally make that decision. In the pale moonlight. Mm-hmm. Comes to mind. It's like, oh, we're going to turn Cisco into the ultimate villain. Okay. Well, yeah. The situation was desperate enough to call for it. Same with uh, him and Eddington and the whole we're going to genetically remodify an entire planet so that only uh, Cardassians can live on it because Yumaki screwed up with their planet. Exactly. And then with Picard, he had cause to go in and basically invade a Cardassian base. Um, it's not something that would usually be done. And I would have expected Picard to put up a bit more of a fight saying... Hey, should we really be doing this, to be honest, from my point of view? Of course, it ended up being a trap anyway. Which only Worf and Crusher escaped. Yeah. But it, <laughs> it was just like, it's not like every time it was very different. And so, yeah, I'll always disagree with people who just basically shit on Voyager. So... For me, it's always been my most favourite series, and when I rewatched all of Trek, going through them, I really enjoyed the other series. Struggled very hard with TOS in most episodes, but still, when I got to Voyager, really loved it. You know, the only problem I have... Okay, everybody goes, Spock's brain is the ultimate bad episode from the original series. I will refute that and say the Enterprise incident is the worst episode. Not because the storyline is terrible, but simply because right after getting through with Spock's brain, the Enterprise incident occurs, and the only thing that sticks in my mind from the Enterprise incident, and I even forgot about this being a Romulan episode of the original series. The only thing that stuck in my mind from the Enterprise incident is the fact that whoever was behind the fucking camera for filming decided that they wanted to do that zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out with the red alert going off. That <laughs> cheesy ass effect. This is the only thing that stuck in my mind, and I'm like, that's the, that makes this the worst episode ever. That, that right there, that's what makes this the worst episode. Because you never see it again. This is the one time that ever happens in Toss. But yeah, back to Discovery. <laughs> so, um, the article from TrekCore.com then goes on to say, Herbert's description of Barnum's um, journey to Discovery seems to lend credence to the rumours and speculation that Michelle Yeoh and the Shenzhou may not long for the series, at least not in a primary role, especially with the reference to her arrival on Captain Lorca's ship as a second pilot episode. But from the very first trailer, we'd said, look, that's not the ship. We know she moves over. Um, I suppose for us who keep up with this sort of news, it's not unexpected. And... Just because they go in one direction doesn't mean that maybe the Shinzao could be a support ship to whatever mission they go on, or they're there for help later on. So um, I think an actor like her, we'd probably they'd probably try and use as much as possible, and not just have it as a throwaway character. 
I don't think that it would be a disposable character so much as we will have more interaction with this captain and this crew, possibly through flashback storytelling. That's definitely a possibility. Because, yeah, if this is her being the first officer on another ship and she's taking life lessons, and it could also be the same with Serac as well. Mm -hmm. Most of what we see of him could be on Vulcan rather than actually stories in the ship. Hey! That reminds me of another production. And a very Vulcan scene. Sticks out tongue. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine the just the, just the general middle finger that Discovery could give to that guy if they had almost a shot-for-shot shot scene but with, with Sarek and, and Sonequa Martin-Green's character. That would be amazing. So the next articles we've got are from tricknews.net, and this is about Q&As that Kirsten Beyer took over Twitter with um, Ted Sullivan. So these are two of the writers, and they were, um, I think, primarily tweeting from at Star Trek Room, um, which is the handle for the writers as the group of them. I thought it was well. It looks like it looks like a lot of a lot of them are directed at Star Trek CBS. Oh, okay. Some of them now. Now some of them are. Some of them are directed at Trek Cave, whatever that is. But yeah, a lot of them are. Uh, yeah, all of them seem to be tagged with Star Trek CBS. Okay. Yeah, I was just looking at the first one on one of the posts, and that was actually a Star Trek gang. So, but yeah, looking through them quickly. Yeah, they are CBS. So none of them had any sort of spoilers. I'll... A lot of the questions were um, sort of about the writers themselves, what was their favourite ships. Um, actually, that one, I did notice that, of course, um, Kirsten Beyer listed, of course, ships from the books, um, especially ones, because I'm actually going through um, the Voyager series that Kirsten Beyer wrote at the moment. I'm on the last book of the series until December, when the next one comes out. Um, so of course the Vesta's in it and so um, the, I did notice that some of the answers she gave has actually been things she's actually included in her books so oh that's nice somebody asked what Voyager episodes does Kirsten rank among her favourites Ted Sullivan responded uh, Kirsten said Living Witness Scorpion Part 2 and Distant Origin I will agree, Living Witness and Distant Origin are amazing Voyager episodes. Why? Because Living Witness is Warship Voyager. I want to I want that ship so bad in stow. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Um but yeah. Again, they're very sort of character driven storylines. And, yeah, what made me laugh, because, of course, Distant Origin is the Voth, and the Voth mm -hmm. actually gets seen in Kirsten's books as well. So... Well, of course. They're, <laughs> they're the apex species of the Delta Quadrant. Or so they claim. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, um, it, it did become apparent to me that she was, of course, she writes about stuff she likes. Um, 
though based on that alone makes me think yeah based on what i've seen in her books alone i've always been very happy she was part of the writers that make up the writing crew so were there any other um questions that you thought sort of stuck out um stuck out stood out to you not really i mean they were you know it's just mostly asking about the writers themselves uh, what got them into track what you know what kind of non-trek things inspire them in the writers room and stuff it's yeah. it's it's interesting but nothing really stood out but i think it's good in some ways that they are being so tight-lipped because so much stuff these days gets leaked and told about that it's not when you watch it it's not new it's not wow um the only one from ted sullivan that really made me laugh was he was asked about um what star trek word or what word he would give and associates to each of the star trek series including discovery so he goes tos groundbreaking tng revolutionary ds9 rich voyager complicated enterprise troublesome discovery and then in brackets said through a gag <laughs> uh, well, well you could also you, well you could also um read that as uh discovery kidnapping <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she didn't really want to be the first officer of the discovery <laughs> she was just taken and they go off to do their own thing uh the Klingons, the captain on the Discovery, and we don't know it until season five. <sighs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kirsten. I've ruined your entire series. I'm sorry. So the next article we're talking about is, again, um, back from TrekCore.com, which is about an image that was released on the Star Trek transporter room. So, Zal's transporter room looks very, very HD Wells the Time Machine-y. Now, of course, this ship is even further back than sort of everything else we've seen, apart from the NX-01, the NX-02, right. and um, oh, um, beyond Franklin. Because um, <laughs> that was from that era as well. Um, right. So... And of course, when I look at that, yes, it is very sort of H.G. Wells sort of style in sort of... It um, would be amazing if those plates behind them actually spin too. <laughs> but it sort of reminded me of the NX-01 transporter, except it was upright. Right. Um, so, as we know, the Shinzo is an older ship than the discovery maybe things well we don't know it could just be decoration it could be anything because we know that human use for those transporters had only just come into use on the nx01 right um, they had been using them for um they had been using them for transport of non-organic materials for quite a while and the one on the NX-01 was designated for organic transport. Now, they didn't necessarily say life, like living creatures, but it was for organic transport, like plants and food reserves and stuff that, that needed to keep fresh. And 
you know, you start you start having a transporter accident with food, and all of a sudden, you've got a Franken monster on the pad. Yeah. So I I do wonder whether or not that is somehow related. It could be something to back it up. I I would I would assume that what it is is it's the it's the uh, origination of the scanners. Essentially, it's the it's the buffer pattern. It was it's a giant buffer pattern scanner. So because it literally scans the entire almost the entire body before transport. Because on the NX01, you had these sort of lights that sort of went round the back. So I'm wondering if they could have been the same, although it was never talked about. And then on um, the Franklin, um, I'm trying to think about that um, because I'm sure their transporter had a load of stuff lining the back as well. So whether or not there is something that is scanning and doing something, which is just a different look for whatever technology that is. See, because I don't, I don't. Re- I, I want to say maybe once Trip ever used the word pattern buffer, because I, I swear he said it, but I, it, I can only, like, ever really imagine him saying it once in all that I've watched it. And he could have said it more than that, but I've only imagined him saying it once. And the only thing that would come to my, you know, the, that would come to my mind is that the you know, the NX transporter was rated for organic use. Okay, cool. That doesn't then explain whether or not that they had fully in place the uh, organic... um, the ability to copy and clone an, an entire human being's physical self in a pattern buffer. Like, not just not just their physical self, but their memories, their soul, and all that all that other juicy metaphysical stuff. Because, mm. like, all of that, you know, when when we see the um, the episode of Enterprise where the the guy who invented the transporter comes on board, and they're talking about all that stuff, it's like, yeah, that for years there was this entire metaphysical debate on are you a dead person are you you know does the one person who gets transported die and then a copy of you is made and then after so many copies will your body literally just start to degrade because you're a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy and yeah so here we have this like organic transporter rated thing and we don't really have the buffer pattern for humans and andorians and vulcans yet but it'll be interesting to see if there's anything techno babble wise that gets told about i still want to see them spin (laughs) i'm sorry it's just this i mean I had this thing with Capaldi being the new doctor for Doctor Who is like, look, okay, you can hate that Capaldi is is the new doctor. I just yep. want to hear him say the word fuck once, just once during an, any episode of Doctor Who ever. And it's like, I got that, but it was in psychic paper format. Why, why are these credentials have so many swear words on them? 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a really interesting picture. And if you look at it, the 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 transporter panel that the the, the two people are operating has a screen in front of it. So I'm wondering if that 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 if that is the pattern buffer or if that is the transporter itself um considering that it would need a, a displacement pattern or a a, dis, a displacement panel see you know the normal transporter has the top and the bottom right yeah and they're they're the two they're the two kind of it's kind of like echolocation. So you, you, you create a sound off one way and then it bounces off and it comes back the other way and it does the you know, it does the full route. I'm wondering if that was a we've modified this technology, we can do it from the side now. Here's the emanation that comes out of the big rotating disc behind you, and then it sees this little screen, which the screen is angled. So it sees the screen and it bounces back towards the dish. But, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how all this I gets incorporated. So, um, a lot of so, this stuff we've just recently covered with the uh, with the interview. Yeah, we've got some articles um, about why discovery was delayed, which we've gone through before. So that's from treknews.net and trekcore.com. Um, we've got from Trek News, um, Captain Lorca. Our so first picture of the Discovery Captain. So yeah, this is um, Jason Isaac, who plays Discovery's Captain who is Lorca. secretly a Klingon, but you won't find that out until the fifth season. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, don't kill me, no! <laughs> um, but again, it's in a uniform that we saw the Captain of the Shinzao wearing. Mm -hmm. So, and it looks very nice. And the look in the background, it's blurred. You can't really see much. But, again, it looks a little bit different from the Shinzao. So, um, and you, the chair, I think that, you can't really see it, but that looks a little bit different as well. Mm, it has the, it has the... It has the display let's, that comes up. Yeah, let's let's just be honest. It has the TNG pop-up display. <laughs> yeah. It's also got he's also got a he's also got a side panel and instead of the, the toss buttons, he's got a panel on his right side. So, like um, it's like an Elkars panel. Yeah. This actually the more that and I, I I know this is shout out to Chooch, who does uh uh Star Trek Starfinder and all that stuff, but he posted this big long Facebook thing where he's like, you know, maybe it's entirely possible that the reason that all of this stuff looks like this is because they met with an enemy that they literally could not face. And the only way they could continue to do anything was taking a technological backstep to the cathode rays and the buttons and the wooden memory cards. <laughs> Who knows? Or well, anything's possible. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, not everything has to be explained. And even updates in Star Trek regarding the Klingons. From the moment the motion picture was sort of released in um, 70... 
I think now. 70 whatever. <laughs> sort of Klingons looked completely different and we didn't find out until the beginning of the new millennium. Um, sort of the reason why. Sort of as makeup and prosthetics came to do more things quicker and cheaper, it got integrated into lore. And the thing is, anyone who looks at a TOS Klingon will go, hang on, that's not a Klingon, where's the ridges? That's the first thing they tend to say. <laughs> because most people, when they start with Trek, not many of them really go back to the TOS. They'll go did, back to did TNG. Then you have the episode of DS9, Trials and Tribulations, and Worf goes, it's a complicated story. We don't tell it to We don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just all these people bitching that things look different or they never had that before. It's just like, sorry, get over yourself. So technology you know, you know what I have? has moved on. Well, you know what I've never had before? A million dollars. But I don't complain about the people who have a million dollars. I complain about the people being stupid that have a million dollars. Yep. But yeah, just the amount of people saying, that doesn't look like my Trek, I'm not watching it. It's just like, no, watch it, then say after you know it's not your Trek. I, but, I, like I said, you can say whatever the hell you want about how something looks. It's not until it is out there in the, the every sphere that you can actually say anything and have your anything actually carry any sort of weight. Sorry. Exactly. And the thing is, as long as it is a good story, to be honest, it doesn't make a huge fucking difference. It's a bit like sort of TOS. Go to Warp 10. Well, we know Warp 10 isn't possible because that got completely um, smashed up in sort of Voyager. You've got um, sort of Warp. They're actually going in different directions in the original series. And then later on in the other series, there's no left and right, it's a straight line. So we've had all this before. And, and nobody questioned it. And the thing is, T TNG got the same sort of crap as well before it launched. Oh, that's not my trick. That's looking completely different. There's like... no toss cast. Screw you guys. <laughs> so, you know what? Like... You know what? Screw you people who have to complain about every little thing. And yes, I know I'm taking the piss out of myself with Star Trek Online, but I have a good reason to be pissed with Star Trek Online. And it has nothing to do with canon. Well, okay, it does have stuff to do with canon, but that's besides the point. <laughs> but at least you're playing and reading the content. It's right. not like you're saying, oh, that episode is crap, but you never actually played it. Right. So you're actually I, I commenting the on what you have... pick it to part, pick it to pieces. Exactly. But whereas people these days, it's like before things are actually released, so um, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and things like that. I've actually seen ratings for films that haven't even been released yet, and I'm thinking, how can they be released? And there are some comments just going, "Ah, oh, this sounds shit." It's just like you've not even seen it. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to take a step back from from this argument because because of the stuff that was released this week for Star Trek Online and my having the very same complaints. Well, we'll get to Stowe in a little while. 
So, um, so yeah, Entertainment Weekly, um, as we said, um, they'd actually gone to speak to Sonika Martin-Green about her mysterious role for um, the new show. Um, so she goes, I'm the first officer of the USS Shenzhou. That is Captain by Captain Philippa Giorgino. I don't think I said that right. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, so who is played by the amazing Michelle Yao? He says, I have an inner war and it's a journey of self-discovery and finding out what it means to be alive, to be human, to be a Starfleet officer, what it means to be a hero. So, um, so yeah, um, the article then goes on to say the producer searched long and hard to find an actor that could pull off um, Barnum's divided nature. We read a lot of people and they either went way too robotic or too chilly or way too emotional is Aaron Harberts, um, who serves as the showrunner um, with Gretchen Berg. What's beautiful about Sonika's performance is she's capable of playing two, three, four things at once. She's got such a great command of her craft. She's able to be aloof but warm, logical but able to surrender her emotional side to the audience. And then Martin Green added, I have the Vulcan conflict in my life from Serac and Amanda. So there's always going to be that inner conflict with me. But I think it's um, relatable because we all have some kind of inner conflict going on. Who we are versus who we present ourselves to be. There's a lot to be discovered. Oh my god. Okay, that, that, that first line says so much. Because it makes me think that Amanda... That... that that Miss Green has has just kind of admitted that um that she's a Amanda's bastard child, maybe. Um, not necessarily. It could just be so. Yeah, again, saying like adoption, or it could be so many things. Well, yeah. I mean, it just it feels that that's like what's going to go on because. Why, of all people, Sarek? Is it because he's the most close to a whole bunch of humans in the first place? You know, well, if 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 there was if there was an adoption agency on the planet Vulcan, and a human wound up in that adoption agency, would that adoption agency go to Sarek and go, "Here, have this kid. We don't know how to handle it. You do." Um, I don't think so. I think. They're in the Federation at this point. It's not like Enterprise where it's completely separated. So I think if that was the case, she would have been returned to Earth. Um, but we don't know. It could just be um, sort of her parents were lifelong friends of, say, Amanda. Um, they served on Vulcan. Um, and because of that, Sonika's character wanted to attend the... Vulcan Science Academy mm -hmm. um, or took lessons from Serac and due to the fact that he had a half-human son then he's actually got experience um, he's got sort of, a lot of Vulcans even still as we know from uh, even going through most of the series still in some ways only tolerate humans <laughs> for the most part so yeah, it, it will be interesting to see the reasons how and why, but I think Serac is 
a good character for many reasons, especially as she is human. Because one, it's already law that sort of he's married to a human, which we know is not something many Vulcans have done. Um, if too many at that time had actually done it as well. So it makes sense from that, not to mention it's a name people recognise. So people who are, say, from the TOS era or TNG era who have had stories and things of Serac, it's something they can relate to as well, rather than just another brand new character. I don't know. It would kind of... It would kind of be interesting to... Oh... I never thought about that. Because... Hmm. Otherwise, if she went through all that, how many other Vulcans would be married or have a relationship with a human who also worked with the Science Vulcan Academy and everything else? I just just thought about that. I just thought about that. Came to an actual answer. Mm -hmm. Because Trek has this long and storied tradition of having the previous cast or someone of the previous cast show up to kind of christen or bless the new series to Paul, anyone to Paul handing off an adopted daughter, anyone? Well, at this particular time, would it be a daughter or maybe granddaughter? Because if you read the books, Trip survived, but was never sort of, he went to section 31. So, I don't know. They could base some of it on there. And hmm. Do you know, a lot of people have, have speculated that the Shinzao is like this, supposed to be this section 31 ship just because of how it looks. Yeah, I don't see that personally. I don't, I don't put much, I don't put much in there anyway, but I literally that that's that is one of the few things that springs to mind having to paul being the person who hands off this this young baby child to Sarek. i i could see that happening that i could see happening but it's definitely within her lifespan anyway yeah i mean because the other guy was like a bajillion years old during enterprise wasn't he well, I think Vulcans live, was it, up to around 300 years? Maybe. So. The only reason Sarek was any different is because he got the, the that disease. So he, like, died around his, what, 200s? I think so. But, yeah, there's, otherwise this would be the first one where we haven't had a character from a previous series attend, won't it? But yeah, it would be interesting to see, because, say we had a character from, I don't know, say, um, I forgot his name, the guy who plays Julian Bashir, um, um, what's his uh, name? Sadiq? Sadiq, yeah, um, I can't remember his last name, um, but yeah, say he played his great-grandfather or something, as a way to ha- sort of carry on that tradition, <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> Who knows, they could do anything, but given the length of time between this one and the previous ones, and the fact it's... Actually, who did they have in Enterprise? Did they have anyone? I'm I'm not sure. I think, honestly, 
I think the Enterprise one was what's his face from First Contact. Yeah. <laughs> Sober as well. Well, more so. <laughs> Slightly more sober. Okay, so the final bit for Star Trek Discovery. We have a date, finally. So, for the US, it's going to be September 24th. And it's going to air on network television from half mm-hmm. past eight to half past nine. Um, so, it's got, in brackets, time appropriate following NFL football and 60 minutes. So I guess if they're late, that could sports be Sports and news! Nominated for sports and news! <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, it will also premiere on CBS All Access as well. And the second episode of the series will be available that same night following the, pro- um, the broadcast premiere. So, so immediately, anybody with CBS All Access will immediately have access to the second pilot, quote-unquote. So, um, that will be episode two, or even part two. So, now, the, in Canada, um, the Space Channel is showing the first two episodes on Sunday the 24th, from half past eight. And um, the first eight episodes will then run every Sunday um, till November 5th, um, just like with um, the US. Basically, it's been shown in two parts. So it will run through to November and then start back up in January. So the rest of the world who will be watching it on Netflix will get it on Monday, September 25th. And again, that will run through to November 6th and then again start again in January. So basically, everybody else gets it a day after America and Canada. I just, I just want to point out these, these promo posters. Oh, God, the amount of new track that's in here. <laughs> With the, the, the engine trails and the really super flashy metal. It's very new track, is it not? I just think it's very modern. I can ha- see that. I can understand that. You have a look at things God. like, what is it, Dark Matter and things like that. It's, it's the sort of effects you see today. So it's not, I wouldn't just say, oh, it's sort of new Trek. But again, most of the visuals are going to look a bit like the stuff we see in the Kelvin timeline. Because we're in the same era of technology. It's a bit like what you saw on screen was very much the same throughout the next generation, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Oh yeah, no, I, 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 I wholly understand. It's just like that this this image that I'm staring at, which is the discovery at the top of the poster and then the words at the bottom. And in between, it's like somebody took a slow motion uh, time lapse video and just had <laughs> somebody streak a flashlight or several flashlight pins in front of the poster to make that that those those streaky lines. It's like, no, no, stop. There's actually a video for this poster. Did you know that? No, I didn't. There's like an animated version of this poster with the ship moving up the poster, <laughs> and then it has the September 24th 
that show up on on the sides of the poster at east and west. Hmm. So it's like, no, what are you doing? Stop! <laughs> it's too glowy. But I can appreciate these posters. They don't. They are that simple and that bare. It doesn't give anything away. I, I can agree. But you know what I don't see? What's that? I, I don't. I don't see safety cages. <laughs> well, we haven't really had a close-up look. Um, oh, since oh no, the I can fully, I can fully tell from right here that they have. They have gone Star vertical Trek with the nacelles. The nacelles have gone vertical. They're not. They're not. They're not horizontal anymore. Which is what we saw in the original teaser. Remember? I have to watch that again. <laughs> yeah, in the original teaser, they were they were horizontal, kind of like uh, the Enterprise D has the horizontal nacelles, and these are more um, Enterprise A slash D seven vertical nacelles. At least from this top down view. Well, I'm sure as things get closer, we'll see more trailers and images coming out but yes still they're keeping things very sort of close to their chest and so um so yeah we will let you know any news that we find out as yeah. they come out as well as our view on them so so i think it's time for us to move on to star trek news Okay, so this one is actually rather interesting. I was just scrolling around on StarTrek.com, and StarTrek.com Star has actually introduced a new article, specifically for new Trekkies and people who will come into Trek because of Discovery. And they've started calling this article Star Trek 101. And the writers for this article are Paula M. Block and Terry J. Erdman. And, well, to launch this new, this new What is Star Trek, they decided to go, hey, Star Trek 101, what is subspace? So it's an article that kind of explains the, the Trekkie science and a bit of the Treknobabble of what subspace actually is in Trek. It's a really fascinating read. Now, Star Trek 101 is not that new. Um they had actually um, released a Star Trek 101 um, last year in 2016 because I remember there was at least one on the Enterprise and I think there's also one for life support as well um, might have been last month I, I don't know I just saw this and, and the article said it was new <laughs> it said it was a, the newest regular column for StarTrek.com so yeah, I think they've released some content on it um, before. Or that could have been related because there was a book called Star Trek 101. So it could just be they're making um, that basically a regular um, thing. A regular article for StarTrek.com? Yeah. Who did you say wrote it? Uh, Paula M. Block and Terry J. Erdman. Then it, yeah, it probably is related because th um, I'm just looking it up now. 
because yes. they're authors. <laughs> yeah, they are authors. Yeah. So, yeah, they actually did write um, the practical guide to um, basically Star Trek. Um, so it's actually Star Trek 101, um, a practical guide to who, what and where and why. So that was actually released in 2008. So, so yeah, just yeah. before, just before all of this new track. So, yeah, it's not new, new, although they haven't oh. released too much just yet. But yeah, the first one they released was in October of 2016, which was the USS Enterprise. Interesting. Well, I look forward to seeing some more. So, so yeah, um, but yeah, it's definitely helpful. But yeah, I, I, I never did get round to actually reading the first one they did. <laughs> uh. I like I like the opening for the the question. What is subspace? Here's the official definition: a spatial continuum with significantly different properties from our own. Oh, you say? Your eyes glazing over. Okay, how about this? A region of space that coexists with our own universe, but is disconnected in some way. <laughs> that is a great line. Okay. Well, let's head over to cover some gaming news with Star Trek Online. We are still in the process of doing the summer event that is going until July 20th. So how you, many how many tokens do you have midnight? Um so like two hundred and forty I think. I've only run it. I only have times. I only have double what you have. <laughs> I've been missing days myself. Yeah, I think I've only run it half a dozen times so far. So um <laughs> You still have the time to do it, you just gotta get in there and do it. Indeed, well, once I finish doing all these steps for charity, then, yeah, it will definitely be an awful lot easier to spend time doing other things. But, um, yeah, this month has been very difficult, to say the least. <laughs> so. Yep. so our, our first bit of uh, PC news is that the R&D promotion ended and began again. So uh, this Thursday, the uh, Amari R&D promotion ended. Uh, or, or, or is it Amira? I can't remember anymore. <laughs> Essentially, the the R and D for the tactical escorty ship ended, and this Thursday saw the return of the temporal twenty third century ships. So you again have your chance to get a T six Connie, a Prime Connie. And or a T6 Temporal D7 or a T6 Temporal Talis. Now, remember, only newly purchased R&D packs will be eligible for these three ships. And if you have any uh, R&D packs that you haven't opened yet while you purchased under the Amira promotion, those are still eligible for the Amira ship. So you can get you can still get that ship theoretically. And once this promotion ends for the temporal 23rd century ships, if you still have packs unopened for that were bought during this promotion, those will still have a chance of having the temporal ships in them. I hope you understood that. 
I only half understood it. Basically, I wrote the damn thing. <laughs> Basically, buy an R&D pack now and you get um, a chance to get some nice ships that if you don't mm -hmm. want, you can stick on the exchange. Yep. <laughs> or, or, some, or, some, or some low buy crystals. Yes. So, yes. our next bit of news. Lifetime subs are on sale again at 30% off. So instead of spending $300, or 299 USD, for a lifetime sub, it's only 199 United States dollars. Also, this promotion seems to go with the summer event, so this the, the lifetime sub sale ends the 27th of July. So you got a bit of time to raise some capital and put it in there if you want to. I think the summer event only goes to the 20th, so you've got an extra week then after the summer event finishes. Well, if they do the oh, races, what? yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the next article we have is don't use the arc launcher and get rewarded. I don't know how that works. So essentially, I don't know if it's Perfect World or if it's Cryptic itself, but you can now play Star Trek Online through a launcher by Razor called Razor Cortex. And playing through the Cortex launcher will grant you a buildable in-game or a buildable time currency for Razor products, which is kind of amazing, but kind of defeats the purpose of of Perfect World going through all this trouble to craft and build Arc only to have Stowe be playable through an entirely different launcher for an entirely different other company's currency now razor that's with regards to um the gaming yes um, the, mice yeah. and hardware isn't right. it so right. keyboards yeah. and keyboards, machines yeah all that kind of stuff and this currency will actually this currency actually builds up enough for you to purchase said products there's it's no different than it being on steam to be honest um let's face it um if you want to claim zen then you'd still have to use arc so you'd have to download both um, but it's just a way for them to open up to another audience saying, look, if you use Razor stuff, you've got Star Trek online if you enjoy playing Star Trek. You know, the interesting thing is I went to the, the, the Cortex website to, to, to find out mostly when the Cortex was launched by Razor. Funnily enough, both this partnership and the launch of Cortex comes almost immediately before they halted and killed off the support for their own Discord-esque Razor comms. Well, with things like Discord and TeamSpeak and so many other things, it's not really a moneymaker, I suppose. Uh, I guess not. Although I have to admit, it felt a lot more secure than Discord does, especially with all the stuff that you hear about going on now with... Discord raids and and some vile crap going on with Discord. I've not heard of any of that. Yeah, no, there's there's been several instances of like anti LGBT like groups somehow getting their hands on links to to private groups for 
uh, you know, like LGBT suicide support groups and and therapy groups and all that kind of stuff, and just going in and totally fucking with these people. And it's not cool. And I don't know how these people are getting a hold of these links, but it's not cool, man. Well, it could just be as simple as them going to forums and things and they just ask about it and get referred it. It well, uh, doesn't mean there's ways... No, yeah, I, 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 under, I understand, but the way that... I can't even remember what... I have to go, I'd have to go and find the article again. But it seemed like the way that that article read to me was that they were simply doing searches through Discord for stuff like this. And that there wasn't... There, and because Discord is Discord, there's real no... You need an app... You know, there is no r real application process to join a channel. And, you know, once you're in a channel... You know, once you're in a Discord channel, unless that channel is set up with, like, different permission roles, uh, anybody can spam anything they want in the general, like, chat. As, and, and usually as much as they want, unless they're kicked or removed. So you can have people come in and, and start spreading some hateful and vile shit in Discord. And, and if it doesn't get taken care of almost immediately, that's... Yeah, and it's it's been one of the main reasons I've seen a lot of the Discord channels start handing out um, the the roles. So if you come into a channel new, you have the basic everyone tag, and you can only post in general. And then after you're there a while, then you can, you know, you, you your your role gets updated in the channel, and you can move around and and talk in different areas and stuff. Okay. But yeah, it's sad that you have to do that in Discord because there's not that kind of security built in in the first place. Well, in some respects, it's no different than TeamSpeak. If you search um, a provider's ports, you can just go in and if there's no permission set up, you can do exactly the same thing. That's terrible. Why do people have to do that shit? Why do you have to be bad people? Well, you get people like that even in Stowe's chat, and you're thinking you're Trekkies, or at least you're supposed to be. So... Why do you people have to be that way, man? Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem that it's any security problem with Discord, it's just mm. spammers being spammers. Yeah. So. I understand. So our okay. our next our next bit of news is 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 actually something interesting. So have you guys been noticing the new splash screens in game? I have. You know why uh, that is? I haven't really been in game, so um, I haven't. Well, it's because the latest winners of the Stow screenshot contest got announced, and of the two thousand one hundred photos submitted. Only 20 were chosen to grace Stowe's loading screens. Congratulations, you guys! Congrats. Yeah, I'll have to go take a look. I take it um, the post has... Has that got all the ones? It's got mm -hmm. a... Yeah, it's got a cycle at the bottom of all of the uh, screenshots and who took them. Although I was not going to post that here because I was not going to flip through 20 photos to get names. <laughs> and I wasn't going to share 20 names on air. Just quickly looking through them. I like the one with the Gorns. That's really good. 
I'm jealous of these people who've got really good graphics cards. <laughs> yeah, see, and that's a, that's a, another one of those weird things. Uh, a lot of people do this stuff through demo record. At least I've... the way the way I understand it is that that they can have just about anything in game recorded through demo record, and demo record will record it from multiple angles. Hmm. And then once you're through, Demo Record creates some kind of thing that you can go back and look at what you're doing in, I assume, the test server somehow. And you can essentially stop a moment during what you what you recorded through Demo Record. You can change camera angles, essentially like how you move your, your camera view around your ship and set up a shot. Yeah, I still never have had time to actually go and demo record yet. One of those things that it's like, really must do that at some point. Um, it's too complicated for me. <laughs> I'm not even going to... guessing. Yeah. So we had patch notes for the 15th and the 22nd. And most of them covered some small issues with with the, um, the summer event, including things like, uh, well... They resolved an issue that caused the arguing couple, the fireworks, and the Makbara Klingons to only appear for 20 seconds every two hours. They now appear for approximately 20 minutes every two hours. So that means if you're looking for fireworks, they'll be in the sky for about 20 minutes. And then you can go and look for the arguing Klingon and Trill right there on the little boardwalk beside the fireworks. And then you can hop from there and go all the way to the other side of the beach, beyond the promenade, to that arc where the Klingons are doing their thing. And if you're fed, they're gonna do, they're gonna go, oh hell no, you can't join us. And if you're Klingon or Klingon online Romulan, they'll go, okay, you can participate with us. Participate with us. Although this does not say if the uh, beach party is appearing for twenty minutes every two hours. Because there's the bonfire on the beach, too. Because okay. that was a night thing. <laughs> yeah, I uh, suppose I went after all those the first year mm -hmm. they came out, so I haven't really been looking at those when I have been in-game. So, uh, they resolved an issue that could sometimes show multiple people, uh, or so that could sometimes allow multiple people to pick up the finish flags in the biathlon. Uh, isn't that kind of the point? I'm sorry, this seems like a major grammar slash spelling error in whoever was writing this particular note. I think it might be the. Um, I know the what I know what they, yeah. I know what they intended to say, but what it says is we resolved an issue where multiple people could pick up the finish line flag. Well, that's kind of the point. If you don't get first, second, or third, multiple people need to be able to pick up the finish flag. <laughs> But no, the, 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 the thing that they resolved is that a person could pick up the first place flag and then pick up the second place flag and then the third place flag. So essentially, instead of multiple people picking up the finish flag, it was singular persons picking up multiple flags. So, um, yeah. Uh, on a plus note, for all of you guys out there wanting to, to, to test new hairstyles, you now have the half-shaved hairstyle on a couple of 
Well, it says many male species. I haven't seen it because I don't have any male characters. Well, I have one, but I haven't... He doesn't have hair, so it doesn't matter. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, apparently you guys now have the um, Lady Cosplayer hairstyle. Have you tried it? Do you like it? We got another uh, issue that was resolved. It says, uh, resolved clipping issues with the male wetsuit and the female rash guards. And like Alex has pointed out in our chat when he was here the other week, yet there are still issues with the Vulcan females and the Luau shirts. I saw this the other day myself. I don't know what the hell is going on with those little hula luau shirts, but there was this Vulcan lady in the Gorn outfit, the, the Gorn shirt, and her shoulders were, like, her shoulders were literally clipping through the shirt for no apparent reason. She wasn't like some big, huge, beef-caked-up Vulcan on steroids. Just normal Vulcan lady. And her shirt, her her shirt's shoulders were clipping through her actual shoulders. Like, okay, I don't know why that's going on, but, um, okay. And lastly, the most notable from both of these patches. Resolved an issue where most of the car fee model would disappear under certain conditions. Well, that took only what? Three years? Congratulations on on fixing that bug, Cryptic. It's not like nobody's been screaming at you for three years that that was a problem. Well, something like that is not game-breaking, so they come in last when it comes to priorities. Oh no, 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 but see, they wholly, they wholly had time to fix the fucking brazers on Kronos. But not the Carfee model. Again, if they're doing something on Kronos and they're doing those, working on those particular areas of the system, then they can do it at the same time. The so, only reason the Carfee got fixed is because Klingons on the consoles started buying the conf, uh, the Carfee and started complaining, hey, half of my ship has fucking disappeared. That's probably the only reason. Because the only reason the Brazers got fixed is because they were moving to the console. Well, if people are paying for those things and using them, then, yeah, it's like with anything. Demand. So... But no, there, there'll be of these things. There are always so many things that are on the list to do. Of even me with my work, I've got so many little bugs or little improvements that are on my list, and some that have actually been on my list for seven years. They're still there because they're not the priority to fix. Okay. So yeah, I can understand how it can be annoying to users but as a software developer i can understand why something that appears to be small and very annoying doesn't get fixed speaking of stuff that's small and annoying hey roll for constitution and miranda updates that's a DD joke mixed in with a star trek joke so yeah there was a new blog posted that uh from from thomas moroni about them adding more Miranda and Constitution options. So we, we, it took us three years to fix the car fee, but it's okay because here's more Miranda and Constitution. Okay. So essentially, basic, 
do I sound bitter? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, the Miranda, the, the Tier 6 Miranda that came out, had a fleet variant come out with it, which is understandable. That usually happens nowadays. The fleet Miranda now has the look of the Soyuz class. Essentially, Kelsey Grammer's ship from the next generation during that one episode, remember? Mm-hmm. So it, it, the fleet variant of the Miranda will look like that, or the Tier 6 fleet Miranda will look, look like that and have that skin. All Miranda classes now have two free extra options. The Beta Saucer and the Beta Strut. The Beta Saucer looks like the saucer that we saw from Deep Space Nine on those Miranda-class ships. And the Beta Strut brings back the 2409 look that people were complaining because it disappeared when they changed the Miranda. Thing is, also, a lot of those sorts of fixes are actually done by people like Thomas in their own spare time. And a lot of these fixes, they'll, of course, work on things that mean more to them mm -hmm. so when it comes oh, no, to the Klingon ships not all I developers understand. tend to play it I so. understand I'm there's there's a reason I consider myself a stocynic so uh, the free constitution that you can get for leveling up has had its own massive rework the <laughs> Enterprise A that you can get in game now actually looks like the Enterprise A, like a refit. It's got all the proper bells and whistles, so it no longer looks like a metal thing with glowy bits on the side, and it actually looks like the Enterprise A now. They still have some parts coming on Tuesday, though. Mm, yes. <laughs> and for those who own the Temporal 1701, or its Zen variant, you know, the one that's 500 Zen, they now have a new toss variant, a new skin variant, and it, uh, I think that that it was called um, variant variant B. I, th I think that's what it's called. Essentially, the new toss skin is where the the where no man has gone before skin. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, where no man has gone before is the original pilot for for the original series. It is the first pilot. And the ship is the same. The shape of the ship is the same. But the look of the ship, had, you know, there are little details, little insignificantly looking details that change significantly between the first pilot and the actual series proper with Kirk. Things like, you know... In the original series pilot, the Bassard collectors didn't spin like they do in the in the original series. They were a solid color. Well, that's on this skin variant. If you turn the ship around, you kind of you know the the original series had these like bulbs on the back of the nacelles or this bulb look on the where no man has gone before variant there's like these holes and this burnt look like flames come out of the back from uh, from the ship you know it makes it look like a rocket ship almost these are like really small details wholly insignificant that people have been asking for and now they have them there's also a new i don't know if it's 
a new material or two new materials? Because the way it was read, the way it read was confusing. So I don't know if the Type 8 skin model is a new free model for everyone, or if it only comes with owning the Temporal 1701 or the uh, the Miranda class, the new Tier 6 Miranda. Because the Type 8 material captures the very white kind of pearlescent look from the motion picture and the Wrath of Khan for ships. And then there's another material called 8B, which gives those ships the the stylized TV gray that you come to see from Next Generation and Voyager and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, I must admit, so, I tend to just pick a material and then run with it. And I don't tend to go back to it afterwards. <laughs> so... So we got some hints at season 13.5. Did you know about that? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, we got some hints at thir- uh, 13.5 in that we're getting a new reputation. Well, not reputation. A new Admiralty campaign. Okay. We're getting the Fringy Trade Alliance. Oh boy, time to get your rules of acquisition on. Okay, I wrote this myself, and I'm really proud of it, so I'm going to say it right now on air, and any of you who complain about it, fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) This is me holding up a middle finger to my screen and going, fuck you. Are you tired of standing about for hours trying to win that Ultra Dabo? Are there not enough ground baddies to make your Latinum collection cost-effective? Then send out your trading ships. The new Admiralty campaign focuses solely on Dilithium and Latinum as rewards for its Admiralty. So yeah, upon completion of the 10 out of 10 tour of duty, you'll get 30,000 Dilithium. And upon reaching rank 10 in the Admiralty, you will receive the Ferengi ship Quark's Triumph, which is an epic cruiser, so it's going to be an engineering Admiralty ship. That reduces the maintenance time of all other ships that accompany it. Mm, cool. So I take also, it the... it's it's nice to see that Quark got a new ship <laughs> after his last one exploded <laughs> deliberately. <laughs> <laughs> Do you so, remember what the name of that ship was? Um, no, not offhand. I do, and they've they've kind of captured that. So Quark's original shuttle that he was given was uh, abbreviated QT. Quark's Treasure. And this new ship is Quark's Triumph. Well, hopefully it wasn't given to him by his cousin Galen. <laughs> nah, see, after all that stuff with the, the, the war generals, Galen kind of disappeared. Yeah. So, at the end of this, you get 30,000 Dilithium after completing all 10. Mm-hmm. How does that compare to the Klingon one? How I think the Klingon one also offers 30,000 at 10 of 10. Okay, so I take it it's all the uh, yeah, missions up to then, rather than with, I suppose, the Klingons that give Dilithium, a little bit of Dilithium, I think. What, right. The, um, the... This one, you actually get... Um, um, Latinum? Latinum. Yes and no. 
I, I hate saying this, but whoever said, hey, you know, these, uh, th- these admiralties focus on these things, whoever, whoever at Cryptic decided to say that was a bullshit artist. Because all three campaigns offered all three of the items that we've talked about. They offer R&D, they offer Dilithium, and they offer energy credits. All three of them offer that. It's just that the 10 of 10 thing for the Tour of Duty offers a huge bonus of one or the other. So for the 10 out of the 10 for the Federation, it's a huge energy credit bonus. For the Klingons, it's 30,000 unrefined dilithium. And for the Romulan ones, it's Romulan tech upgrades. That's it. The only thing that would make the Ferengi Trade Alliance different is if it granted you 30,000 Latinum. And would that not be an amazing thing to have? Especially as I'm still trying to reach the, was it the 1 billion to get that um, accolade? Again, this is literally <laughs> why I wrote the little thing that I did about, are you trying to win that Ultra Dabo? <laughs> I've never once had that. <laughs> I won a double Dabo once. Um, but yeah, but yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see how they... Because they say that the primary um, focus is on Dilithium Ore and Gold Press Latinum. So I think each of the tours, as you go up to 10, give out that little bit extra on right. Gold Press Latinum, which the others don't. Well, see, that's that's the thing. The 10 out of 10, I don't think is that the Tour of Duty itself may... The tours themselves may grant Latinum. And the missions themselves make Grant Latinum, which I will wholly say right here, none of the other Admiralty campaigns do Grant Latinum. At the same time, Latinum yeah. is not going to be the sole focus because you're going to have your R&D missions and your energy credit missions and your dilithium missions from the Ferengi Trade Alliance Admiralty because that's literally what every other one offers as well. It's just that you're getting topped off at the end of a tour of duty with a whole bunch of dilithium. Not not even latinum, it's dilithium. Well, that's because it, they probably would have wanted it to have been latinum, but no one's going to play continuously for that one. They'd run it once, but then they wouldn't do it again. Dilithium is the in-game currency, so that's what people play it for. And I guess having a look at their metrics... They probably see that once people have actually done all of them, you actually have it that all they do is... No, I did not put that into the show notes, but considering what Bordicus posted the other day about about their metrics and being surprised by their metrics, I'm pretty sure their ship sensors are broken. What way? <laughs> so, okay, a, a, couple of, a couple of days ago, Bordicus Cryptic um, posted on... Um, Twitter, like, th- said essentially a clickbaity little thing of three surprising facts about Star Trek Online. And essentially, their metrics currently said something along the lines of hey, the top five things being played are the easiest, you know, easiest cues to run. The people who play ground missions don't bother playing normal or advanced. They go straight to the elite ground missions. And then there was like another thing. 
And Timberwolf in our chat in Facebook goes, I've been saying this since last year at Las Vegas. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess that means their metric system is broken. Them ship sensors need to be recalibrated, don't you think? It depends what they've been looking at previously. They've obviously been looking at different things, which is good that they're doing more data mining. It's sad when your player base does more data mining than you do. Well, no, some of the player base can tell some patterns because it's what they do. When sort of he Timberwolf's doing all his um, builds and all the other things, he can see what's happening with the cubes a lot more than what a dev is who's coding things. So, but a dev should literally have access to all of that information in front of them. Shouldn't they? Isn't that the point of having metrics, quote-unquote? Well, no. Different people in the company do different things. It's not for the developers to... I understand that. that. My point... That's not my point. My point is they go on and on and on and on about having metrics. Their metrics tell them that this is what's going on. Their metrics tell them that that is what they need to do. Shouldn't this metrics... Shouldn't this metrics be available to them... At all times, and not take them months and months and months to figure out? Well, actually, with what I do, I've got a ton of data that I can look at when building new media players for my company. But I don't have the time to do it, um, and not all the data is stored in a way that you can run queries against it to come back in a good way or at least a fast way. For example, I can write a query to analyze one particular thing, but given the amount of data that we have and the way that that particular data is stored with relationships or even field types or all sorts of things, literally one query to have a look at one small thing to give me some information can actually take a couple of days to run. Oh my god, Midnight, I've just figured out how to make you a millionaire. Code a spreadsheet query system for metadata and sell it. The whole thing is, database systems are all set up differently. And depending on the way a system works, it connects to multiple tables, things like that. It can take a while to analyze how that information is being used by a user and yeah, as with most of these things, it just takes time. Now, obviously, they are, they do monitor metrics, which to do with how certain things do run and everything else. But there are certain other bits of information that I'm sure they may have always wanted to know. And in most cases, they've just assumed works in a particular way. But they're obviously putting time aside to go through and answer these questions, which is what Bort's obviously now got, just like, oh, turns out that these cues are actually more popular. Turns out the path of least resistance is the one that all of the player base is following. Surprising! Yes, but what some people may find the easiest one to do is not always what other people might think. Well, no, no I, under, I understand the thought behind this. I'm just... It it kind of proves the point of the thing that's going to happen for our next topic, but at the same time, it's kind of, it's uh, 
This is the reason why I hate the reputation system. Because the Q system is not is not fun. The Q system is not fun. Because if if you're wanting to do Romulan reputation, okay, I can understand that you're literally going to be time-gated in leveling up the Romulan reputation. That's not what bothers me. What bothers me is that nobody wants to run a Romulan anything unless there's a weekend for it. Specifically for it. Like the shuttle weekend. The shuttle weekend brings in people doing the, the vault shuttle mission. Just to test their new shuttle build. Okay, that's cool. Uh, I don't see... I rarely see the uh, Azure Nebula Q popping off, if if at ever. About the only Romulan one that I see with any sort of cons- consistency being done is the Tholian Red Alert. Because I suppose they get popped up at the side of the screen. Well, yes, but at the same time, not only is that a Tholian Red Alert, that alert also grants fleet marks and Nukara marks. Is, and because it's in the queue proper now, it has a R&D thing associated with it. There's one thing they used to have were sort of hourly or whatever events, which yeah. promoted certain things. But they had removed that at one point. If they brought back something that, say, covered, I don't know, a four, five hour period, that during that window, anything on this queue had a bonus... 25% marks, that would draw more people into doing those queues. Well, see, that's that's the point of our next topic. Okay. And it's also the reason why I said I had to step back from the discovery argument. So our next little bit of news is uh, the Endeavor system, otherwise known as play the game or else. Essentially, the, the Endeavor system, which was revealed this week, uh, is an upcoming s- I'm going to assume season 13.5 feature that is them kind of putting in place the, um, I want to say like the global community goal things like they had for the, uh, the Delta event and then the temporal events, but on a personal level. So every day and then friday saturday and sunday all is one event where you will have like these specific challenges for players to complete uh for specific in-game rewards and the only thing i can think of is oh that's cool you're going to shove stuff into this endeavor system as a way to try and get people to play the game more that's cute well, of course, that's what they want. They want more people playing more often. I understand that, but at the same time, it's one of those things where, again, the cynicism, the the, the cynicism within me goes, "Yeah, see, but there's a problem here, and the problem is your content isn't fun, and the fact that you have to make this system to." To bribe people into playing the content means something is wrong or you're desperate for players. Actually, I look at it a completely different way because I find the content. Oh, no, you do. Hang on, hang on, hang on. But there is so much content, it's trying to get people, especially stuff that requires teams, getting those people to all play it at the same time. 
So challenges such like this, as I was saying um, with the previous thing, instead of having a four or five hour window, they're now saying, right, for the next two or three days, this is the challenge. It concentrates on these missions, these sort of PVE queues or whatever you play. That means people who enjoy playing some content but can't always because of other people at that time queuing, it now drives more people to that thing. No, I can no, I completely and I completely agree and understand with that. I mean, again, that this is one of those things. I, I, you know, when I first saw this, the first thing that came to my mind was, "Hey, you have twenty four hours to play." Oh, I don't know the vault shuttle event three times, and then here's this reward that you'll get. And then I actually saw some of the discussion on the forums and. Oh my god, that was probably the one time I've gone to the forums and there wasn't a whole lot of fuck you, this is Hitler bullshit vitriol. They were literally having a discussion back and forth of is would this would this be worth the investment in the first place? Especially if the challenges turn out to be play such and such mission or or play so many episodes with only this weapon energy type. Well, they could tweak this system to do so many different challenges. And I know. The, I know. A lot of a lot of the a lot of the discussion and back and forth was, we don't know what the prizes are going to be. We yeah. don't know if this is even going to be worth it to begin with. But at the end of the day, this is why, obviously, these queries have been run to do this data mining that Bort was looking at has mm -hmm. been done. They've been looking at what sort of challenges to do. Hence, they've obviously run saying, right, what things are people always playing? What things are people not playing? Where are people in reputation systems? So this system will mean, right, you've got a lot of people saying, look, I'm really st struggling on the Federation side to do the Romulan stuff. Mm -hmm. They can do a challenge, a couple of days, they get more people playing, people can run off and do those queues and go through the reputation system a bit better. So, do you remember you talking about those hourly things? Yeah. Yeah. You remember this what is how was, to do it. Well, do you remember what was mainly the main part of those hourly things? It was something that only ever happened in the hourly things. Uh, the mirror event. Before well, they, they took before they took the hourlies out, the hourlies were the uh, was the only time you could actually play the mirror event. Yeah. Now they've made it an annual event, haven't they? Well, now they've made it this kind of weekend thing with rewards attached to it. But, guess what? Introducing an Endeavor system means they don't have to set aside development time to make a specifically new thing. Because they can almost certainly constantly rotate in the Mirror Universe thing. Or the, um, the Alachi, um... Iconian gateway alert thing. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to keep being harassed with a, when is this event coming back? When is that event coming back? Not well, only when that, are we getting new things? They could also do things like the um, special mission ones where you get the extra rewards for playing missions. Um, oh, Brain really isn't the working. featured episode <laughs> rewards. Yeah, 
because they haven't done that for a while and people keep wanting that to come back because that system could use all of that and then they could even (laughs) i know it's wishful thinking but the very old ball cues if they make them work yeah Okay. Where you literally play the space ground and space mission one after each other all in one. Mm-hmm. They could even bring those back for like the two or three days. <laughs> You're just a glutton for punishment, are you? Spending an hour and a half in a queue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the thing is, is, I never actually got to play that mission because I just started um, and Phil said, don't do that. Trying to get people to play is an absolute nightmare. So I never did. Then they split it up. I played them, loved them. But again, when I did play, the people who had played it before just said, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> it just <laughs> takes so long, we don't have time. It's like, oh, okay. But yeah, uh, this is this is why I had to step back, because the cynicism inside of me went, yeah, no, you're just desperate for players at this point. After three, what is it, two, three years now of not having a PC version of, hey, here's a stats of the game for your, you know, here's the current stats of the game that everybody can see as part of your anniversary thing. Uh, Now we get this, hey, please play the game and our challenges so we can reward you for stuff. As I said, I think it's just a way for driving people to do the same sort of missions to help people progress because even when we've had the developers on it's issues that we have talked to them about it's stuff they've said they have been considering so obviously this is what they've come up with yeah but Uh, no i do not think at all that it's oh we really need you to play the game yes i'm sure it will get a lot more people in game more often again it's really just a cynicism in me at this point (laughs) more than more than anything it's the cynicism but no, I like this idea, and because I hadn't actually seen the news, I didn't actually ne- know we were leading into this um, area next. But no, I like this. It'll be interesting, to say the least. For for good or ill, it will be interesting. I just, I'll have the popcorn ready. <laughs> well, yeah, it'll definitely be a way to do more regular events, and it looks like... Because usually when a lot of these things happen, it's... Starts on a Thursday, ends on a Sunday. It's like, well, mm-hmm. it's always been. Well, what about these players who can only play Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for most of the time that Stowe's been around? They're basically screwed for a lot of events. Mm-hmm. But now they've got something that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then you've got the weekend one, Friday, Saturday, yep. Sunday. So it now caters for everybody. And if they've got a set of stuff, it goes round. And they could have things go for a few months and then have a different one go for another few months. And then it's just getting people to play particular content they have in game. That doesn't get a lot of look in once it was like the featured stuff. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm happy about this. Looking forward to it. So our final bit of uh, PC news is the RP blog that was released this week. A first tale. Okay, I've not read this yet. I haven't actually read the previous one, I must, I must admit. <laughs> well, I've got we a lot got... Of... At the end of June, once I've finished all my walking, I've got so <laughs> much stuff to catch up on. <laughs> so essentially, this was a follow-up to the previous RP blog about Torg's jail. Okay. And, um, 
we get introduced to the oldest surviving Jim Hadar in existence, possibly. All right, so he's like two. Uh, <laughs> try forty plus. Yeah. Okay. So the way this story goes is, Klingon Klingon lady gets tossed into the jail. Uh, then the 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 Jim Hadar introduces himself and then starts telling her his tale. And essentially, he starts weaving this story about being captured, uh, well, of being a fresh, a fresh batch near the end of the Dominion War. So he's essentially he was born near the end of the Dominion War, and uh, stayed in the Alpha Quadrant, mostly because his Vorta was a prick, and an idiot. Because his Vorta thought that the founders would literally come back after signing this this peace treaty and just obliterate everyone. So this Vorta stayed in the Alpha Quadrant to do hit-and-run tactics with, you know, her company of Jem'Hadar soldiers in their, in their Jem'Hadar ship. They got captured. Because, of course, they did. And somehow, they all wound up in Torg's prison. And a whole bunch of them died, including the Vorta. And here's the really interesting part. This RP blog involves the Sana. You know, those 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 face stretchy people from Insurrection. Yeah, the people that don't like Riker's joystick. Y- yeah. Yeah, those <laughs> do, those people. So apparently these Sona have partnered with Torg and uh, have been running experiments on the remaining living Jem'Hadar. And funnily enough, this guy, this Jem'Hadar, who was his first, he was the first Jem'Hadar, you know? He was the Jem'Hadar first of of rank. He was Commander Riker. He was Riker to the Vorta. Yeah. He's also the last of the Jem'Hadar there, period. And he's the oldest living Jem'Hadar there. And essentially, the Sanaa have tortured all of them and still torture him between bouts of feeding him Ketracel White when he absolutely needs it, and then weaning him off and exposing him to the radiation of the insurrection planet. You know, that planet that was healing all those people? Yeah. Yeah. Which means Torg's jail is in the briar patch above that planet, or on that planet. I don't remember if that movie ended with those people evacuating that planet, but, uh... They were evacuated, but given that they stopped the threat... The card would have returned the the villagers back to their um their village. Uh, uh, okay, and then the next question becomes uh and I again I haven't gone back to read my path to twenty four oh nine lore, but I want to say it was the Briar Patch the Klingons under Jim Pock just reached out and claimed and said uh uh ancestral rights ancestral rights it's all ours fuck you and that's how the klingon federation war started again i honestly can't remember i again i can't remember and i didn't go back to read it but if that's the case i could see the klingons moving in and setting up colonies and shit in there uh especially around that planet 
but they have Torg there and the Sona. Yeah, that makes me think there was some genocide stuff going on with those colonists. Or that happened to those colonists. And I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't put it past Torg, and I wouldn't put it past the Sona at that point. So, yeah, Torg's jail has got to be in the Briar Patch, unless the Sona have uh, found a way to replicate that radiation outside of that planet. Because that was the whole point of insurrection, as they couldn't replicate those effects outside of that planet. Um, is, I guess after what happened, I would have expected at least some contact with the Federation. But it depends where they are. They may only go visit. Um, and if they're doing stuff with the Klingons, they'd be cloaked. I, I could understand. I could understand that. Had, say for the fact that this Jim Hadar is sitting here talking about him being in one of his I'm not full of Ketracel White moments and being able to speak and tell this story to a Klingon. Essentially, what they were trying to do, what they were trying to do was wean the Jim Hadar off of the Ketracel White with the regeneration radiation. Okay. Which is stupid in the first place. Because, uh... That's the only thing that keeps them in check. It's not the only thing. It's not even that. They're literally genetically predisposed to be addicted to and need to get their cell white, or they die, period. But the we know reason, that's not always the case. There's the an episode in Deep Space Nine. The only reason that the one, the one Jim Hadar survived is because there was a genetic mutation. And that's a single genetic mutation among millions possibly of Jim Hadar. And that was and that wasn't even because and that wasn't even because of the effects of the planet healing him or anything like he thought. He was genetically dis he just literally had a natural genetic mutation that said he needed literally almost no Ketracel White to live. That was it. And yet you have this entire squadron of Jim Hadar soldiers, and this guy is literally the last of them. And he's 40-plus years old, which, you know, they go into in the story. It says, I thought Jim Hadar only lived to be 20. And he says, it's very rare that a Jim Hadar lives to be 20 years old. And, you know, from what we know... On the path to 2409 lore, the where we are in game takes place roughly 40 years after Voyager's return home. Well, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see where this fits in in game. So, if it fits in game, yeah, they don't always. Sometimes it's just something for people to read. Mm-hmm. So, um. I didn't put it in the notes, but uh, uh, J.G. Hersler was in the the booth. What? I don't think so. <laughs> I think more or less J.G. Hersler is reprising his role as Lass. Well, I suppose they had redone the missions that involve him, but well, he, no, no, he was he was Lass even when it was the old arc. It was still Lass. No, but. Uh, the dialogue that involve him has changed as well. True. So and True. the missions were only redone, wasn't it, last year? Mm -hmm. Possibly. I would say it was before they moved to console, because a lot of that was, hey, we're updating everything because we're moving to console. Yeah, 
the thing is, if they had him in, I very much doubt they're just going to get him to do the one voice. He is so good. He could not only do the, the content for Lass now, but he could sort out stuff for being Klingon. Hey, he even had a Herodian role that they could go back and do something in the Delta Quadrant. I just... I, I said this in our Facebook chat the other day. I just rewatched the pilot for Deep Space Nine. There was J.G. Hertzler, day fucking one. He was the Vulcan captain of the USS Saratoga. Yep. And later on, in the same premiere episode, he was also the prophet version of that Vulcan captain. Well, that's the other thing, is they did remove a mission quite a while ago now. I'd like to say three, maybe four years ago, which actually involved Cisco. Captain Cisco and Q. On the Saratoga. So whether or not that is to come back... And Would have course, to wait until next year. Yep. But <laughs> you never know. <laughs> that could come back and JG could voice the Vulcan captain. Yeah. I mean, I say it, I say it would have to come back next year because it's next year, which is the 20th anniversary of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Right now we're celebrating possible. 25 years of the next generation. Yeah. But yeah, anything's possible. But the fact that he has voiced and played so many characters already in Star Trek that I don't think they'd just get him in to do a single character. I'm sure he may, as a primary thing, be there to do maybe a particular one. It could even be a new character, for all we know. But I'm sure they've got him doing some other stuff as well. Here's, here's, here's the thing. Q, you know, and, and I, will give, I will give Cryptic as much shit even though I will enjoy the fuck out of it. Q, hey, I'm going to push you back in time, and if you complete certain goals, I'll bring you back to where you're supposed to be. Otherwise, good luck in your new life. And it's a <laughs> it's a Far Beyond the Stars-esque thing with J.G. Hertzler in it. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> nope. <sighs> okay, well, I think that's it for PC news, so... Let's go to console. Star Trek Online Console News. At the moment, everyone on console has got the Mirrors and Smoke featured episode still running. Yep, so, week three rewards. I forgot, is this, it's a four week one, isn't it? Yes. So, um, yeah, you've only got um, one more to go. So this week your um, reward is the, the Katari produced missile launcher. I thought that was last week's. Oh, no, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Forgive me. It's the Kentari Fortified Personal Shield. So, um, yep, make sure you get in-game. And get that. Um, don't worry too much if you do, that just means it's available. Of course, if you play it each week, you can pick up either an Enhanced Universal Tech Upgrade or a Captain Specialization Point Box. So that's what you get for logging in more each week. Um, as I said, the 
weekly rewards that come available will always be there once they're unlocked. So, um, by the way, uh, for you console captains, the lifetime subscription sale is on for you guys as well. It is. So, um, you get thirty-three percent off. So, um, so yeah, I'm just trying to have a look if it says. The date, so yes, it's still to the July twenty seventh as well. Um, they do have a note saying once this is purchased, in order to receive the rewards, a character must be at least level five and have completed the tutorial. Upon reaching level five, log out, then back into the game. So, um, so yeah, you get lots of extra ships, you get extra character slots. Um, you even get some small craft as well, because you get one for each faction. You get respect tokens, you get extra um, starship slots per character. You get um, an extra 1,000 dilithium refinement every 48 hours, though most people don't use it. Um, you can play you get... as a Talaxian. Yep. Um, so, you got lots of extra titles, you get some extra um, costume um, pieces, you get um, veteran ship materials, you get a Magato companion, um, priority logins, so if you have issues during sort of season launches logging in, well you go to the top of the queue, um, although you can still sometimes have to wait, um, you get extra bank slots, um, even bonus um, account shared bank slots as well, um, you get extra inventory slots, you get a whole heap of stuff. Um, I personally got the lifetime for the PC, um, still glad that I did. Um, so yeah, you have some time if you want to go get it, you've still got a month to do so. Now, I've recently actually started playing on console. We had this discussion and made fun of you in our Facebook chat. <laughs> it's like, hey, I got the PlayStation 4 and access to Star Trek Online. I'm now playing on on a console. And one of, one of our co-hosts goes, oh, great, another character my, uh, Midnight has no time to play on. <laughs> well, I haven't actually got a PlayStation 4, but my work has for the staff room. So... It came with FIFA, but of course, me being me, wasn't interested in playing football, so I downloaded Star Trek Online. <laughs> so, for those of you at home keeping score, this is 45. Yes, this is now 45 characters that I have. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, this is now another account. <laughs> so, this is what, account number four? Uh, one, two, three. Yeah, if you don't count the one that I created for my son and my wife. Yeah, four. Or is it Holy five? shit! <laughs> <laughs> See, we can tell who's the, the, the Trek nerd here. Nah. What can I say? I like the game. <laughs> Just wish I had time to play it. <laughs> Speaking of liking the game, hey, did you know what Timber did recently? What's that? Another combat log. Excellent. But, uh, I, um, I, before... say a, I say a combat log. He's been doing a whole bunch of build uh, challenges, and uh, he's been doing, you know, he's been doing phaser and disruptor and plasma, 
But then he went back and he started doing some of the lesser used energy weapon builds. So I think he did a Polaron that was 94,000 damage at its top tier. Okay, we'll get to that in a sec. Okay. I want to talk about um, console. (laughs) Okay. How's your experience on it? um, I like the way the dialogues come up. It's basically full screen. Yes, it sort of takes you out of it. Sort of, it's not just a little pop up, but I like that. Um, sort of, there's so much more space on the screen. Admittedly, I'm actually playing on, I think it's something like a 44 inch screen. So it is bigger than I'd usually play on anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, just the layout of it just gives a lot more space. Um, I still haven't used all the abilities and gone through all the controls because I've just got to Vega. So, um, but yeah, the first thing I wanted to do when I was at the academy was run. It's like, okay, so which button do I do for run? I'm sort of like trying to hit people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because, of course, you don't learn to run until you go and race Alyssa. So it's just like, that's how you run. So (laughs) it's just... Um, so yeah, it's taken a bit of getting used to because I haven't really played console. The most I've done on console has actually been sort of watch Blu-rays on my PlayStation 3. So, <laughs> um, on which I've even got a PlayStation 3 sort of remote for it rather than using the controller. So it's taken a lot of getting used to. I keep pressing the wrong things going, why isn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm using like R2 instead of L2 or mm-hmm. something just ridiculously simple like that. But so far, it's been enjoyable. Once I get more into it, I'll be able to sort of feedback. But yeah, it's different, but I like the changes they made for it. But no, I, I've, I've been liking it. Geese has said recently that he... The, the... He stopped playing. He stopped right. playing simply because he got stuck in the assimilated mission. You know, in the Borg story arc, the one with the assimilated Undine. Okay. And the wrist yeah. lance. He said he could not, for the life of him, get through that part in on console. He just couldn't. Yeah. Well, once I get to that part, I have to try and arrange... If he's home at one lunchtime and mm-hmm. <laughs> do a team mission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I'm enjoying it. Um, cool. So I hadn't really, although, yes, I would like the PlayStation 4. I thought I don't have time for it, but there's part of me thinking, yeah, I wouldn't mind having Stowe on there, but sort of things I won't have all the gear, which is, of course, one of the things which is just like, oh. It was just like, oh, I wish I had this and this and this, and because I haven't got all my now lifetime subscription. Now I have to grind it all out again. Yay! But no, it is nice and refreshing. Um, I imagine that's literally what goes through your head. It's like, oh look, I have to redo the Borg reputation. Nice. And everybody else in the world is like, I have to do the, re- I have to redo the Borg reputation. God damn it! Well. <laughs> For me, it's not that much of a shock because it's just like when you've got so many characters and you're doing the reputation again, it's just something I expect to do. Um, It was a known thing, so it's not like, oh, damn it, wish that wasn't happening. Admittedly, yes, it would be nice to port stuff over, 
but oh, we know it. these I things don't, have don't access talk. To all these ships that my other accounts have because I don't have a lifetime sub. Well, it's not just that. I've bought a lot of ships. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, it might have actually been Dragon at one point. I was trying to figure out a build. And it's just like, well, which ship do I go with next? And he goes, well, what ships you got? Um, I said, well, okay, hang on, I'll make a list. And it was only then that I realised how many ships I'd actually got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was, he just replied with just like, like I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you have so many ships that I like and want. Because <laughs> I'd never really thought about it until that moment. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I like that. It's just like, okay, can't afford that this month, but hopefully next month. And so... But yeah, there's still a load of ships that I haven't got and still want, but I think I've got all the tier 1 and 2 ships. I think I've got basically, Federation-wise, I've probably got all but like, a couple of ships from like tier 5 downwards. And then hmm. most of them for tier 6 and tier 5U. Um, only thing is, is most of them I still haven't actually flown and actually leveled up. Mm. So... Anything things is there's another ship that comes out. Ooh, I'll actually fly that one before these ones, and so. <laughs> but you're a people... bad influence, Midnight. You're a bad influence. The well, thing is, the people that say, oh, "I'm just so bored. There's nothing to do," and I'm like, seriously, <laughs> I haven't got time to do all the things that I want to do. So if I haven't got all the accolades, I still haven't leveled up every species. Um, I swear. Midnight is like the most perfect stow whale ever, and for those of you who don't, for for those of you who don't know, yes, that is both a Star Trek joke and a gaming community joke, <laughs> because the whales from the one movie of of Star Trek, which is which is literally a thing. There is a there'll whale be whales movie. here, Captain. But the gaming community when they when when a what's called a freemium game essentially it's free to play to a certain extent and then they need you to pay money to continue development of the game usually it's in mobile games but in a lot of the free to play games like Star Trek Online this is the same case what happens is you have the people who are constantly spending money in game and those people to the industry itself are called your whales because they sit there and they spend the money and they continue to play the game because they want to get their monetary value out of the money they just spent. Then they wind up spending more money. Yeah, I think the, the term actually came from gambling because I think they're called whales in casinos, aren't they? I would not know because I don't spend my time in a casino. <laughs> Either do I, it's just through things that I've seen on TV in sort of Vegas where they've called them whales. Well, let's, let's, let's be honest. The stuff that goes on on the TV and in movies at Vegas is not what happens in real life. No, I know that, but terminology-wise, those sorts of things tend to be reflected on what Maybe. people are called. Yeah. So, um... Because, yeah, there's a TV series starring, um, was it James McCann, um, on Vegas, on a hotel. Um, they called them whales there in, like, CSI Vegas, they'd called them whales. And there have been lots of other things where it's to do with gambling in America. And big spenders have often been called whales. Hmm. So, given how long people have been doing things at casinos compared to gaming, 
Okay. And I can... I, so I can see that's where the term came from. Okay. I can I can see that too. Bit of a wild squirrel there. <laughs> well, no, it's all making fun of you, so hey, yeah, you're I'm happy squirrely. for that. <laughs> it's making fun of you, it's, it's, it's going to get a little squirrely. I'm happy for people to take the piss out of me. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's refreshing when somebody else takes your piss out of you for you. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, some yes, people who try and... that sounded very dirty, and it was meant to... <laughs> Actually, it can be quite annoying to some people because there are a lot of people who they'll try and take the piss and trying to insult you, and so when you're agreeing with them and actually expand on it, they're like, "Huh? What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? Stop it! I'm supposed to be making fun of you. Quit it! What are you doing? That doesn't feel right. Hey, get away from me, you freak!" <laughs> but no, I do enjoy Star Trek Online. I think it's actually paid for games like the new Metal Gear Solid that. I think, did it come out, was it last year or the year before now? can't remember. Oh, the Phantom Pain. Yeah, I I bought that pack. I love Metal Gear Solid. I didn't oh, even get God. through the first mission before I went back to playing Stowe. Oh, God. And I played for the prequel mission as well. <laughs> oh, good God. And I didn't even finish that before going on to the main game. No. And I keep thinking, I've, no. it's, it's just like, I really have got to go and play this game, but... I just keep forgetting about it and go play stay. Guys, if you'll excuse me, I have to go steal a bird of prey and capture midnight. <laughs> I have to save this whale from itself. But no, I, I do enjoy it. I just, yeah, I do. I do wish I had the time that I used to be able to have when I first started playing. Because I do miss just being able to log in and chat to people. Because these days it's log in, do the event, the daily and log back out before doing podcast stuff, mm-hmm. doing work and family. and But I think, as with lots of players, it's how it sort of goes. You play for a while, and you just don't get the time. But it has been nice the times when I have had time in-game, and it's just really refreshing. So, um, but yeah, hopefully time will allow me to do that more um, in the near future. After you're through walking and killing yourself doing it. <laughs> yeah, the outside really doesn't agree with me. The, the outside is trying to kill you, and specifically the sun from outside is trying to kill me. I guess because it thinks I'm trying to move in on its territory. After all, <laughs> what is my name? Um, I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, well, that's it for console news and information. So yeah, let's head on to Combat Log. Combat Log. So, you had mentioned that um, we'd had... Timberwolf, who had actually created some videos on some old sort of power the, builds. The, yeah, the, the underused energy types. Um, he did one for the Polaron and one for Tetrion. And I loaded up the video for the Tetrion because I knew, I knew he was going to, to kind of 
just sit back in shock at what Tetrion could do. And like the first couple of the first couple of seconds of this video is guys, I was surprised by what Tetrion could do. And I'm like, see, see you people out there who think Tetrion is shit. Fuck you haters. Fuck all you haters. <laughs> Tetrion is Badness. It is badass if you know how to do it. If you know what you're working with and you know how to work with it. Literally, my Tetrion build is not built around having everything be Tetrion. It is literally built around gravwelling stuff. The damage from exotic particles from the gravwell damaging them at the same time as my tetrions are making sure their shields don't exist so that all of that exotic particle damage is going straight to hull and then i follow it up with a gravimetric torpedo because more grav well exotic particle damage things go boom things simply go boom and timberwolf proved it by having a Tetrion build he built on the test server, like, fully maxed out, fully, uh, you know, fully epic quality everything, rank 14 everything, he got a full 99,000 DPS off of a Tetrion build. <laughs> That's, again, majorly impressive. It took him aback, because he didn't think he'd get there. Yeah, I've still not even got anywhere near that sort of figure on my own DPS for other variants. Since I'm like, I'm like looking at these videos of him doing the hundred thousand, you know, damage with phasers and then disruptors in the plasma. And then I, I, I make this comment in the video. I go, uh, plasma user, uh, ha, uh, uh, shields. Uh, uh, phaser, uh, shields, disruptor, uh, shields, polaron, uh, shields, tetrion, what shields, uh, hull. <laughs> that's, that's what it's like. It's like, literally, the shields are gone. Now I'm just beating the hull. Thank God I have these torpedoes, because they're really effective against hull. <laughs> well, the links will be in our show notes, of course, so... And go take a look for yourself. Okay, well, let's head over to see what's happening in Star Trek Timelines. Does no one here understand your incredible good fortune? Star Trek Timelines. Did someone say game? You seem to find this all very amusing. We've got another live event at the moment, which is one of the hybrid ones. Oh my god, Midnight, you updated this with all the proper information. <laughs> I am so sorry. So, um, we're already halfway through, so the first phase has ended. So, crew sharing was enabled for the first part. So, the second phase of the hybrid event is, of course, the um, crafting part. So the event crew that are now available in-game is Commander Kira Norris, which is a new legendary five-star. Um, you've she's got... got the, she's got the... She's got the... Um, those... Uh, what are they? End of DS9 motion picture vestments on. Um, 
with Captain Topol. She's a new tier four um, super rare character. Um, actually, in the community part of the event at the moment, that is actually the next um, reward, which we're getting close to hitting. Neat. Um, Captain Topol is, of course, in the uh, Starfleet outfit of the time. Indeed. But yeah, we're only about uh, 53 million away from getting that community reward. So um, yeah, that should probably be hit in the next hour or two. And we've also got Formal Dress Wesley Crusher, which is an existing character, which is again, four star super rare. So, so far this event, I've already got three of him. What? How? Well, I got him for phase one. Got him for phase two, and I also got him for the community reward. Wait, wait, is the threshold rewards, is he offered twice in the threshold rewards? Um, in threshold rewards, he is um, the second one, because you get Major Kira's two-star, again, existing, right. and then you get Formal Dress Crusher for that. So... Because I know he comes at 3,000, but then there's, like, more stuff along the way. Is is he in that again? At a higher rank? Yeah, um, so you got him for both phases, because in each phase, um, the rewards start again, don't they? No, they carry over. I'm just checking now. Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, so they do. But so yeah, you I've must got... have already had one in the first place. I don't remember having him beforehand. Hmm. Yeah, I've got one from Solo. I've got one from Community. I'm sure he's a three star. I'm just looking him up now. Three yeah. star? Yeah, he's three out of four stars. But yeah, he's only a level okay. 10, so I'm not sure when I would have got him. Hmm. Maybe you pulled him out of a pack? Hmm, maybe. Or a free Dabo spin? Hmm. I actually thought I had him. Three times from this event. Oh, oh well. But yeah, I've I've got three of them anyway. <laughs> so uh, level him up. He's gonna be your better science than just about anything else. It looks like. Yeah. So um, for the community rewards, um, at three hundred million, um, we got formal dress Wesley Crusher. At six hundred million. We get Captain Paul, as I said, we're almost there for her. And then at a thousand million, um, you've got the 10 pack premium reward. So, so yeah, um, doing quite well with those ones. So, I think, as I said, we should hit Captain Paul soon. Um, but whether or not we'll actually get to the premium pack, I'm not sure. Midnight! Uh, I... You're not supposed to hit women. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the big news is version 2.1 has been released. So, with this, um, we get achievements, which have been great. I've actually found that I have been playing a lot more. Um, because each day, um, your fleet helped contribute um, as well. Because um, you don't just have achievements for your daily stuff. Because um, each of the things, you know how you normally have the daily missions? Well, mm -hmm. you now have 
um, achievements for doing certain things and one of them includes each day actually um, completing all 10 missions and if you do you get 200 honor right but see that's not a that's that itself is not an achievement it is an extra daily mission oh, for, i thought that was part honor. of the achievements no 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 it's, oh, it's yeah. part of the no. daily mission but it is yeah. it is yeah it grants the honor marks yeah stuff now when you log in um most people will get a whole load of stuff rewarded to them because you get things for increasing your captain levels you get things for participating in events um you get things for completing a rank in top sort of like 10,000 um you get rewards for immortalizing your crew um so my next reward for that is if i hit 50 because i've done 28 so far so i'd get 250 dilithium for that um you get some for completing gauntlet rounds so at the moment i've got 62 of 100 so i get 250 merits um if i get in the top 15 for um at the end of the gauntlet then i can get 100 chronotons although i was actually ranked six but i went back earlier on this afternoon and i was back down to like 60. it's like mm, grumble <laughs> um so yeah um that gets basically long-term achievements will build up for that for and, one yeah. bright shining moment i was in the top 80 percent 80 percent of the admiralty rank of the the arena battle arena space arena okay i got one i got one like whatever the thing was at the time i don't remember i think it was a borg cube thing <laughs> Like just just the one, and it only happened the once. And then the next day was the update to the system, and I didn't really look and see that I needed to throw myself immediately into the uh, commander's rank, because when I looked again, I had no commander's rank. And um, yeah, climbing through that's a slog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had to do that a couple of times. I've concentrated on one rank, and then all of a sudden I'm wiped from it. It's like, ah! Especially as I got quite high as well. So I ended up losing all three. So currently going back through them. So at the moment in the Admiralty rank, I am in the top 75%. In the Captain division, I am in the top 80%. And... In the commander one, I'm in the top eighty percent. I'm but, in top eighty of captain's rank, and that's it. But at one point, for all three of them, I was in either the top five or top fifteen. But then they introduced the thing where you get knocked out if you don't play it for a while, and yeah, I had to start all over again. <laughs> so I wasn't happy because I hadn't noticed that update had come in. So, of course, I hadn't played because I thought, well, I'll just keep getting the rewards because I still hadn't been bumped down enough. And, yeah, so <laughs> I still haven't gone back to where I had been. But, yeah, it's nice that the more you play, um, the more rewards you can get. But you also have achievements for your fleet now. They have expanded um, your daily achievements for your fleet. So... You have targets where you can earn honor, 
So you, it's for playing away missions, space battles, faction missions. The more you play, the more that your fleet get rewards. And every day it resets. So in the Tribbles and XD fleet, we've already hit the first two um, rewards for away team missions. And the first one in space battles. So if anyone in our fleet went there today, they'd be able to get, um, let's see, 110 honor already. And we've still got just under 12 hours before today resets. So I did um, decide to play a little bit more a couple of days ago. So I'd actually made it that we got 50 honor for both space and awaiting. Um, so um, did over 400 of each to get them. But as I'd completed so many, it was easy just to fire off 10 at a time. Ten at a time, what? Well, you can, you know, you can do the warp, the warp things, so you can play ten games. I can't at do one. the warp thing. Oh, okay. I, they removed well, the warp one thing. That is still a quality of life thing. You should be offering disruptor beam. That a free to play player should have access to at least, at least warp one if they have all of the rare components from a mission. Like, if an away team has all of its rare components, or they've completed uh, a space battle enough to unlock the next rank, that battle should be available at warp one for them. Just just warp one. And all it has to be is warp one. Because it continues to give new players to the game a taste of what warp one actually does, and it makes the prospect of buying a membership for access to warp 10 all the more appealing i'm just having a look when you get warp well it says warp unlocks at level one so what level are you then i have zero vib points because i haven't spent anything on it ah okay but yeah yeah because even if you got the 330 crystals mm -hmm. for a few dollars um, that would get you the warp facility. So, so yeah, I suppose if it's getting you to at least do one very small transaction, which would unlock that. You know, kind of makes me question if, well, no, that wouldn't work. Because some of the, the achievements grant you dilithium. And if you wound up spending dilith that, that dilithium on stuff, would you get VIP points? Probably not. Um... No, because I think you only get the VIP points from um, when you get the Dilithium area. But yeah, because at the moment my VIP level is, uh, let's have a look, 12. Because so, yeah, you bought a must card. Um, and others. <laughs> but yeah, level 3 unlocks... You whale! Level 3 unlocks Warp 10. And that's at 500. So you need 500 VIP points in order to unlock Warp 10. So if you were to spend money on the game, have a look. Well, that's the next one up. So for people in the UK, it's £4.59 for um, 250 VIP points, which would get you Warp 1. Or you could go for the 700 crystals at 8.99, which would give you 500 VIP points. So that would unlock warp 10. So if it was US 
I suppose you're looking for what, ten, fifteen dollars? Uh, yeah, five and ten bucks, respectively. Yeah. Possibly. So, um, so yeah, if you want to play the game and have those things, I suppose it's not a huge, and it's just a one-time thing, because once you've hit warp ten, if that's all you're interested in being able to do, you wouldn't have to spend any more money in the game to do yeah, that. Yeah, but see, this, see, you making this argument is the exact same thing that I have when I talk to Excalibur about playing um, uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. It's like, yeah, everything is kind of maneuvered and positioned to say, hey, if you spend a little money, everything will be a whole hell of a lot more awesome. That's not the point of a free-to-play game. I mean, yeah... That is kind of the point of a free-to-play game from the dev's perspective, but that's not the point of a free-to-play game. And here you are going, yeah, but see, if you just spend a little bit of money, shit will be awesome. Just, just to spend a little bit of money and shit will be awesome. Now, the warp facility is an added benefit for people who spend money. So it's free-to-play. You can do anything you want, but as with all free-to-play, if you are playing free-to-play... It takes you time. If you want to be able to have the shortcuts, you pay for it. it it's the same thing. You're going on a journey. You've well, got no, a new well, bridge that has been built, and to use that, you have to pay a toll. Okay, here's a question then. Can you use the warp function for a mission you have never done before? Um, no, it, you can only use warp once you've completed that mission. Uh... After you've unlocked all of its rare rewards? Yes. You can only okay. use warp 10 after that. But once you've done it, you don't have to go and replay the actual mission. It just plays it. I still think warp 1 should be available. Because, I mean, it, it, is, it is tedium. It's not, it has nothing to do with, with, with time. I don't mind putting the time in to play the mission. I mind putting the time in to replay the mission over and over and over again for fucking crafting components for a fucking crafting event. That's that's what gets me. Okay, you want me to do this crafting event? Cool. You handed me 3,000 chronotons to do this crafting event with. Awesome! I have to sit here for an hour to grind this mission to get one piece of a super rare thing because this is the only mission I have access to that has this component that I need and it's a super low drop rate and I've just spent somewhere near an hour to get the one piece because I've had to continuously do the mission over and over and over again step by step by step. And I've already unlocked all the rare rewards because you gave me that quality of life improvement that should have been in the game. Well, as I said, it's something added to the game for people who pay that little bit extra for some extra comfort. Again, I don't mind the Warp 10 one being a paywall thing. That's that, I don't mind that. That doesn't bother me in the slightest. The problem is the, 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 the whole Warp 1 is still behind the paywall. Even Warp 1. I mean, even to the point... I would even go so far as to say, okay, here, here's the thing. Free-to-play players can unlock Warp 1 after they have completed Normal, Epic, and Elite of you know, all three, and have gotten all three uh, of those levels rare rewards. And then they have access. Then they have access to Warp 1 for that mission. 
on any on any level. I'm okay with that. I would be okay with that. Yeah, it's always a possibility. But yeah, um, it definitely makes it easier. Um, for example, with the Tribbles and XC fleet, um, we've completed 371 of 700 away missions. So the next unlock is actually at 700, um, where the reward is 110 honor. So, um, so if you're in a fleet, get out there and start doing stuff for your fleet so you can claim more honor. Uh, so you know what would be really nice to have in the honor store? A that? single, a, um, a multiple single crew unlock. Like, uh, what I mean by that is it unlocks one crew slot for your ship. But you can purchase it multiple times, just okay. as long as you have enough honor points. You know, and it could be outrageously expensive like Kalos is. But guess what? It would give an offering for those free-to-play players who have been grinding the ass loads of honors to, you know, help ease the stress of crew management. Yeah, well, um, they have added... Um, crew unlocks to um, the leveling system because um, I recently got a load of extra crew spaces. I'm still at level 28 because I haven't gone any further in the storyline missions. I actually hadn't done any of the storyline missions for so long but I actually thought I've got a lot of crew now because <laughs> I'd got to the point where I couldn't get a load of them done, so I just thought, mm -hmm. ah, screw it, I'm not doing it. So, literally in the last few days, I've now gone through, and I have done everything on Distress Calls, I've done everything on Episode 1, everything on Episode 3, all but two on Episode 2, because I've got, haven't just got enough to get the items on there, on some of the epic levels. So... Basically, that's one, two, and three fully done, um, plus distress calls. So, um, and I'm halfway through episode six, the distress calls, celestial temple. I'm about sixty percent the way through episode four, and about halfway through episode five, and halfway through episode seven as well. I kind of just stopped at episode 5, because everything, everything that I have was not high enough level. Okay. Even some of the higher level super rares that I have, and the epics that I have, just aren't high enough in their respective little things to do those missions. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember where to go for it to say what you get for your level. I would assume it would be in the top right, where your level number actually is i've tried pressing on the level because uh, i mean that would only make any sort of sense at all if i press on my vip level that will bring up stuff for that but yeah it doesn't for um yeah <laughs> so um yeah i'm just trying to figure out what the unlocks are for there now um yeah if i hit my profile picture it tells me what my level unlock what I've unlocked, mm -hmm. but and it gives me all my avatars and a place that I can actually change my name, but it doesn't actually give me that. 
Yeah, it just gives me my VIP level so I can find out what I get next for level 13. Um, if I do that. Is most of the VIP updates just like, well, consider it, to me, are just pointless. Because I get, you, most of my VIP is to actually get like a pack or to get the daily dilithium to get extra character slots. Right. I don't tend to use the bonuses you get because, like, for the moment, I can get 120% bonus credits when purchasing credits with dilithium. Um, exchange dilithium for chronotron recharge up to 14 times a day. It's just like, yeah, basically, you're allowed to spend more money. <laughs> There's nothing useful, useful. The only thing that I find is useful is the extra crew slots. Um, so. Yeah, level 12 gives me a total of 95 crew slots, but not every level updates how many crew you get. Like level 13, there is no crew improvement for that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there is for 14. Oh no, there is for 14. It goes up to 115. So you get 20 more, but it's just like not always. But in order to get there, I'd have to go from the... 15,000 for getting to 12 to 50,000 to get to 14. Maximizing your whales. I'm not, uh, I'm not kidding. That was literally the title of a panel at a develop game developers conference. <laughs> and a lot of people got pissy about it. <laughs> yeah, so far I've got 195 crew slots. And I'm using 184 of them. I have 50, and I'm using all of them. So much so that those two free Kira Norris that I got, I instantly trashed because I already have her fully fused two-star. She's not a level 100 yet, though. Mine's only level 90. Although saying that, I've actually got the items here to get up to 100. So, you um... bastard. <laughs> you and your whale spending money. Well, I've been picking up lots of items doing a lot of these missions, so I've also and just got And how the many items. shuttles extra did you buy? I've got four um, shuttles. Yeah. Right. So you bought two. Yeah. So yeah. Um, leveling her up now. It's because I've been doing oh, a lot God. of other leveling. Um, mm -hmm. I'm only down to a handful of stuff to do for the updates. Yeah, I've just used all my gold up, and I've only got it up to 96. So, yeah. I've thought of the title for our episode this week. <laughs> Heavy whales here, Captain. <laughs> no, whale trick. <laughs> With the discovery news, all those people who are pissy are going, ah, ah, And here you are talking about being a gaming whale. Ah! Uh, the episode for this week is going to be called Whale Track. <laughs> yeah, just keep my finger on um, the, the push the talk button <laughs> programs because <laughs> I think if I throw a couple of hundred um, training programs at her, that should get her up. A hundred, yay! Oh God, you're playing the game right now as we're doing the podcast, aren't you? No. <laughs> yeah, sure. The I'm going to hold the key. To, to put more people at the, yeah, it's level 100. Yeah, that that's not convincing at all. Okay, that's Kira Norris immortalized. So yeah, Major Kira. So, right, yeah, that's another one done. 
Oh boy. That's a. <laughs> And I got training a crew member. <laughs> See, I still missions. can't even get the fucking agonizer that I need to level up um, Q, the judge Q. Because the agonizer that you need is like a four-star agonizer to get him to level 30? I don't think I've actually got that Q. I got that Q out of a pack somewhere. Yeah, I think it was a I think it was out of a oh that's right. It was out of a legendary behold from the um um from a temp pack. You know, the 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 rare packs have a chance to drop the legendary behold, which is pick three, pick one of three, and one of them was Judge Q. And you said, Hey, Q doesn't drop all that often. You should you should definitely pick the Q. So I picked the Q and then like the next week I had a human Q to go along with it. <laughs> yeah, I've got Captain Q, that's a level 50 fully fused 4-star. You bastard. Then I've got level 40 fully fused um, human Q. You bastard. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. I don't have Judge Q. I have Judge Q 1-star. So, um... But now no. that I'm building honor, I could have those commendation-y things to star them up without needing the extra things, right? Yep, well, just make sure you log in, claim your fleet um, honor. Thing is, I must admit, I haven't found out um, whether or not, if you hit a fleet target, whether you can claim your rewards, or you get your rewards if you don't go in for the day. Um, it does say in the show notes, in the show notes, in the patch notes for timelines, that you need to claim your fleet targets to get yes. the rewards. So to yes, go regularly. There's a I mean, claim all button in the fleet. Thing is, is I'll, I do wonder whether or not it resets at the right time for everyone. Because for me, it's six a.m. So for people, it's it, probably the same time across the board. Yeah. So that means it's what. Just an hour after Eastern time that it resets. Um, it's based on at midnight. Probably, maybe. yeah. So, um, or yeah, I suppose it's probably to do with daylight savings. It's probably five hours plus one. Um, but yeah, it means that people who are in Europe and um, the UK, people like us, if we could lose a lot of honor because people in the US are still playing. How? Okay, say for example, I go to bed, it's for me 2am, mm -hmm. and at that particular time, base battles could be, I don't know, say 100 missions away from claiming the 110 honor. But because I go to bed at 2am, I wake up at 6 or half past six, then I can go into timelines as soon as I wake up, but it's reset, and if the rest of the fleet had actually got up and got to the point where the 110 could be claimed, I would have missed the chance to claim it. Same with people who say it is, I don't know, Eastern time, say it resets and it is midnight, then people who have to say go to bed at 10, well, they're screwed. And this is different from any other game, how? Well, no, any other reward you get in-game, you can still claim any other time. But this means that you can only claim it 
and it's only people who are up very late or right at the end could claim all of the rewards if they're obtained. Because you say finish this event that we're doing now. The next mm -hmm. time you log in, you can claim the rewards from it. It doesn't right. matter that you weren't there when the timer hit zero. Yeah, but, but you're, 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 one, you're applying this daily logic to something that has an actual equivalent in-game. If I log in at 2 a.m. on one day, and then I go to the little, the little thing and spin the Dabo wheel, I get my thing, don't I? Yeah. And it's got the little cooldown. If I miss a day, I've missed a day. I've not, I'm not able to claim that prize. No Should problem. I automatically be granted that prize? Because I went to bed? No, but this is different. No, it's not. No, but it is. You are in control of when you do it. And say you did the thing, and 10 minutes before the cooldown finished, 15 minutes later, you could go back into the game and then do the next... Um, the current day's one. But with this one, you're dependent on help from everyone else in the fleet. Right. But if you can't log in at that last moment, people could have gone in there and actually been rewarded. So as a fleet could have earned you, which you have could have participated in, got you to the level where you could have got, say, the 30, the 50, and the 110. So nearly 200 on a Honestly, I, I really don't see how this is a problem, because if you log out, you have stopped participating in that function. Yeah, but for, say, for example, I got, say, space battles all the way to 400, all on my own. And then the rest of the fleet jointly got it to the 800 and got the extra 110. But because of the time zone that I'm in, I physically cannot play... It means I miss out on that extra reward. Let's be honest. If it was anybody else, if it was anybody else having this argument in the UK, I probably believed them. You? Nah. <laughs> what do you mean? You're up at 2 a.m. Yes, but I'm not up later on. So when people say in the West Coast, say we've got fleet members in the West, they plow through 100-odd missions, unlock the highest part of the space battles. That means I am not about, and anybody who's in our fleet, and we know we have um, listeners from um, in Europe, we even have some of them who are an hour or so ahead of me, who actually listen to the show live. It means they won't be able to ever claim the top-tier prize Unless they Wait spend all their time and things doing it. Back up. Are you trying to insinuate that Alex Wonder is secretly playing timelines? <laughs> no, but he's not the only person we have listening from Europe. <laughs> so, but all I'm saying is, especially people who are in sort of like places like Europe and the UK it gives those players a disadvantage over people who are actually in America. Because... Uh, uh, look, I understand. I just... No, what I would like to see is, you know how they will mail you the prize for your, um, your daily um, missions for um, the arena? Yeah. If you can't... Essentially do that with the honor points for the fleet during the day? 
Yep, but instead of making it, was it three or four days for the arena, mm -hmm. it is literally 24 hours. Right. So that way, if you weren't there when it hit that timeout, then that way you can get um, the stuff. So if the rest of your fleet who are, say, in America, help progress it to right to the end, you can help get those rewards, but you have to have been able to log in that next day and able to claim it. And only if you haven't claimed it do you get mailed. So if it was a timeout that was more local, um, so it reset at a time to do with time zones, but the thing is that's very hard to do when it comes to fleet progression. See, but so, you're 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 missing you're missing uh you're missing a quote unquote exploit slash hat trick here. It's called fleet farming. At least that's what I know it as. Essentially, you've joined a fleet, and you sit there, and you're reaping the benefits of that fleet doing all those missions, and you haven't done a damn thing, and you're just slowly collecting honor in the mail. But people can do that anyway. Yes and no. They just log in daily. They have to log in daily, go to the fleet, and click the claim button. That at least gives them some interaction with the system. Logging in to claim a thing from the mail again and again and again is passively generating a a somewhat premium currency. See that's that's see that's the that's the conflict that's going on when in my head when I say I'm kind of okay with this system. Because it means that a person has to log in and interact with the fleet system to even get the stuff in the first place. Even if they don't even touch anything from the fleet that day, they still have to go into the fleet system to collect those rewards. If it is coming to them in the mail as a side thing with no real input from them whatsoever, they are farming they are farming this game's version of our of Stowe's Dilithium. The in-between currency. Well, it's not like Dilithium, though. Not with Honor. And given that in order to get anything decent, the amount that you have to get as well... Again, this is where the passive farming comes into, to, you know, to, 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 to the forefront. The thing There's... is, it's... If you're logging in, then for you not to do anything at all, basically, the missions that you do to in these particular things is just your standard gameplay. So people aren't just going to log in and just collect the mail without doing something. They're going to log in, collect their mail, then they're going to go to the Dabo wheel and spin it, and then they'll log out. And they can still do that, whether or not they get it through the mail. And if they're in, say, the west coast of America, at the end of their day, they can actually do that. It'll be harder for someone in the UK or Europe because see, they have to be up really early. Because they, all I'm saying is the top tier things, because a lot of the player base will be America. And the times that they play, especially when you start heading out more to the West Coast, will be times that people in Europe and the UK are in bed. Which means I'll there is honest, less. Right? I'll be honest right here and now. I never remembered that this game even exists until we're about to do this show. Honestly. 
That's yeah. when I usually log in. Yeah, but there's lots of other people that who are super obsessive, and you're 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 going on about not being a super obsessive person like that. Okay, I get that. The but, person who is super obsessive that's going to log in in the UK time at two a.m. to claim the the day's end of rewards. That's okay. If a person is that obsessive to do that, okay, cool. I. I I just think that the development team is standing there from this perspective and going, we shouldn't really encourage players to not do anything and gain this currency that allows them to rank up all of these characters that we've given them. Not only that, but hand them free portions of replicator rations to get these characters to level 100. That's the thing. None of that happens because it's honor. You can't get that sort of stuff with the honor. Yes, not really. you can. No, not easily. Replicator and not... rations come from the honor system. The commendations that star up a character come from the honor system. If you have a person who is sitting in a fleet, and that fleet is generating even half of their maximum honor every day, and that honor gets sent to you in the mail, and that person does nothing but once a day log into the system, collect the honor from their mailbox, they are generating passive amounts of honor. But they can still do that. If they are in a time zone that, as I said, like the West Coast, they can still do it. There's nothing stopping them from doing it apart from in, say, my case, is to do with time zone. That's what's stopping some people from doing it, nothing else. Because people could log in, do nothing else apart from go do their Dabo thing, and claim the rewards from the fleet. The only thing that, in, say, my case, and other people in Europe's case, is the fact that when this ends, it's when people are asleep or even have already started work. Send in the support ticket. I do Put intend to, in actually. Put it in the comments section. But that's my biggest thing, is nothing is stopping people from doing that anyway. So sticking it where people can get the rewards that are in different time zones for a little bit after that day just means people from all around the globe have access to the rewards that the fleet progressed through. Because as I said, I could go to bed, members of our fleet could get 110 um, honor more, which I will never get access to. Because they will be playing after even I go to bed. Because that's their evening. That's the issue I have, is this rewards to get, and especially as the top one, because the first reward for hitting 100 missions for, say, the space battles and away teams, is 30 honor. That's at, at 100. You then have 50 at 400. But then you have a huge jump at 7 or 800, which gets you 110. Now, even if beforehand you could get to the 400, you've still only got 80. And only if you're in America or you're up super early in Europe or the UK can you ever think about getting into claim for the 110? That's the issue I have with it. And I understand it. I just, I, I see 
the way the devs look at it, and I go, that's exactly what they're going to tell you when they explain to you that's why they're not going to do that. Because I've seen it countless other times. Even even if even if the people who do participate and and you know who who don't actively engage in it and still claim rewards for other games it's 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 a whole we're not going to allow people the ability to sit there and passively just log in and claim shit and as i said if they weren't able to do that then fine but the fact that they can and it's all just time zone dependent that's the issue I have. If they'd made it that you have to have done a mission in a day in order to have access to the rewards, or at least done, say, to claim the ground ones, you need to have run at least one ground mission, again, fine. But the thing is, if you're in the right time zone, you could just let everybody else do the things and just claim it. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. So the only thing that stops, say, if I wanted to do it, the only thing that stops me is the fact that at that particular time when it resets, I'm in bed. And it's a game that is available anywhere in the world. But they haven't accounted for that. So going back to the updates, we've already gone through achievements. We've gone through that there is a new daily mission for completing all the daily missions. Um, the other thing that has been added is quick build. This I love. This system I am very happy with. Now, what would happen if you'd got all the things highlighted in orange because you'd got all the items you needed to build um, your particular item? But you'd have to go all the way down, build each bit, and it could take forever and a day to do. Such a nightmare. So, um, for ages, we'd wanted a facility that's saying, look, if you've got the items, you just want to say, right, build it. <laughs> you don't have to go through and build every sub, 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 sub item. Mm -hmm. And especially with some of the more top tier things that you could be I doing. I just had that. to make a three-star Tongo deck for... Uh, triple Jedzia, and I had to go in and I had to make a two-star Tongo deck, which required me to make two one-star Tongo decks, which required me to make the Tongo decks in the first place with, like, another thing. I'm like, uh... Two Tongo decks. Another Tongo deck and another Tongo deck. The Tier 3 Tongo deck. Equip. Can I log out now? Because it's exhausting. Well, now you don't have to go through all that. Now you've actually got a quick build button. So that will now build all your sub items with just a couple of clicks. Wish there was a quick replicate button. <laughs> that way, you know, if you want to replicate a thing, it takes the, like... If you have any replicator rations, it throws in the replicator rations first. If you don't, it takes the components you have the most of and throws in the most of them that it can without, you know, without completely emptying your stock of those components. Yeah, that you know, nice. And from there it moves on. But, yeah, it's one of the reasons why this week I've actually done a lot more character building and upgrading than 
I have done for ages because been able to use this quick build. As I said, I just got bored upgrading all the um, people trying to do all the items. It's just like, oh, sod it. So, yeah, I am very happy. You can still do it the old way if you so wish. Um, so, or if you are actually missing an item, what you can do is go down to the item you need, click on it, run the mission to get the item, and then just click back at the top route and then hit quick build and it will then build it. So, um, so yeah, I am very happy for this quality of life addition. So, um, so yeah, that was one I was happy with. Um, they've also added a gallery view. So when you tap on a full body image in um, your crew, that now... You get a nice big picture of them. You do. So, um, yeah. Makes the, you can see them nice and big. It does get kind of confusing when you used to be able to click on them and get the card information, and now you have to click the little eye icon, icon to get the information for the card. Yeah. It's not too much of a thing, and I suppose a lot of people... This means that you can actually, if you wanted to get a screenshot of them, you could do that, and it gives them the current rating that you've got with their name. So if you want to create your own local cards, or like me, you have a spreadsheet, if you wanted to stick in an image oh as well. Oh, God, spreadsheet. Midnight, no. <laughs> Stop wailing. Stop wailing. So, um, so yeah, um, the gallery views um, all your crew um, in the order that they're currently sorted or filtered against. So, say for example, you've got it down to science crew, then your gallery will just take you through those uh, particular ones. Um, with the fleet um, targets that we just discussed, um, just some notes that they'd also got. Um, we had mentioned about having to claim, go in and actually claim each day to get the rewards and about checking regularly. Um, but also, if you leave a fleet after you've contributed to the fleet's targets, you'll be on a 24-hour cooldown before you're able to participate in another fleet's target. So, um, there'll be no cooldown to join another fleet, however. Um, it will just affect the fleet target participation. So um, just bear that in mind. So, um, and yeah, we'd already been through about the new daily mission, I must admit. Um, I did think that was one of the accomplishments, but yeah, you were right, son. Um, that actually was uh, um, a new daily mission instead. I hate how it says, hey, participate in one event, and then it's like, participate in four events. And it's it's a new achievement thing. It doesn't account for the past events. No. Well, it used to be that you got something for five missions first, mm -hmm. but now they've made it, it's now one, then five. See, because um, what, well, what got me is that I saw the achievements tab. I looked at the achievements tab and it said, participate in one event. And I hadn't claimed the thing from the last event for last weekend. I went to the little thing to claim the, the, the finished event rewards, and I didn't get credit for participating in that event. And I'm like, 
man, I'm kind of cheesed about that. But then I started the new event and then got the credit for complete your first event. And it's like, this isn't the first event I've completed. Please. Yeah, no. Um, there are obviously certain triggers and things like that that are being done. So, yeah, all of a sudden, I think I'd started in the event and all then got a load of things. But again, but yeah. the cynic in me is is eking out into everything else. No, but yeah, without them having to do big checks and updates of who's done what, that's a lot of server load. It's easier for them just to add a thing, so from now on, your progression is then added. So, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I was really happy with the updates um, for 2.1. As I said, the only major thing that I've got has been sort of when it comes to the fleet targets. Um, so, but no, apart from that, I'm very happy. So I'm actually trying to get my wife's old phone sorted so my son can actually play timelines on that old phone. Quit wailing your family! <laughs> <laughs> no, he's fully free to play. So, uh, he's like, I haven't played in so long, I probably won't know how to play. It's just like, yeah, you'll know what to do within like two minutes. <laughs> Stop whinging, you're not going to get me to finish updating the phone <laughs> any quicker. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for Star Trek Timelines. Let's head over to Convention, convention News. news. Convention News. First off. First off is that uh, Star Trek Destination is coming back to Birmingham. And to kick it off, their guest list includes William Shatner and Armin Shimmerman. What? Now, usually one of the things I've always had a go at Destination Star Trek for is the fact that they announce their um, conventions like a few months before. And it's just like, seriously, give us some time to know these dates, especially as I think every year it's been within term time. So people have got to manage sort of kids and things like that. And it's just like you want to be able to organize these things. And especially like for the 50th anniversary, you've got this big thing in sort of um, Las Vegas. So everyone are booked up a year in advance when they were told and then it's like we're doing destination star trek birmingham i'm not going to that i've just paid to go to vegas so yeah it's just like why don't they publicize this sooner um it was always just so confusing why they hadn't so this time i heard all right october it's back and then i actually noticed oh the year it's june um, they, they announced it quite a bit early. Hey, yes, over a year early, in fact, because this is actually for 2018. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, so it's not... Because usually they would say, right, in October, 
we have got the thing. And you're thinking, right, that's four months away. I've now used up all my holiday um, or whatever. So trying to get there. And oh. But then I thought, oh, this is 2018. So I've checked all the other information on it. And just to make sure they hadn't just got a typo on um, the, the one piece. It's just like, no, everything says 2018. So rather than just giving four months notice, they have actually given 16 months notice. That's just hey, like, hey, look, you can finally go. Finally, people actually have time to say, right, I'm going to conventions this year. Which ones am I doing? Right, which holidays do I need to make sure are booked off with work? People have time to sort them. Because, especially in the UK, most people spend a lot of their time off during the summer. So, by time sort of June comes around, the holidays are already booked, the money's been spent for it, and then, well, I now have no holiday or money left over to go to Birmingham or London or wherever they've got to travel to. So it's just like you'd get the message out to so many more people if you just advertise sooner. And they have actually done it. It's like, yay! So yeah, they're back at the National Exhibition Centre or NEC in Birmingham, which is where they had it last year. Um, I was supposed to have attended. Um, but I ended up having to work, so um, I couldn't actually go in the end. So yeah, um, Shatner will be headlining. Um, so this will be his second visit to Birmingham, because he did go last year. And he'll be there to help celebrate the 25th anniversary of Deep Space Nine. And as such, Armin Shimmerman will appear in costume and makeup as Quark. So it'll be a one-time only event exclusive to Destination Star Trek Birmingham and will include photo shoots with all attendees. Not only is he dressing up as Quark for the first time in like 19 years, so is Aaron Eisenberg and Max Grodenchik because it's going to be a Ferengi family portrait yep. slash photo op. The thing is, when it comes to Aaron and Max, they often... They've still got um, their old headset. They've kept it, and they'll often do um, a duo act. So funny. I, I, I understand. I mean, but what but, I mean is that this isn't a... It's just him. It's the three of them together. Yeah. So the fact that this time you've got all three of them, even bigger thing. So thing to look forward to. thing is I'm not really one Super for rare. photo shoots that... In some ways, I'm actually tempted to actually get go do this, to be honest. <laughs> so, now, so far, they have got lined up, not just William Shatner and Armin Shimmerman, um, but as we mentioned, Aaron Eisenberg and Max Grodenchik. That and Linda they, Park. Yep. They Hoshi have Sato. got Hoshi herself. So, um, in addition to the autographs, there'll be, of course, the usual photos and panels, and fans will be able to take command of the USS Enterprise 1701 and the 1701D. Though so they'll have those bridges by the looks of things, and you'll be able to see original props and costumes in the Destination Star Trek Museum. So that's been a feature there for all the Destination Star Treks that I've been to. Um, so, as always, it's organised by Massive Events um, in association with Showmasters and Media 10. 
So, actually, I think, I wonder if Massive Events, I'm trying to think, I don't recognise that one thinking about it. Wait, which one? Massive Events. I'm trying to think if they've been someone that's been there in the past. I know it's Media 10 with Showmasters usually, but I think Massive Events is a new one. I I wouldn't know. I've never been in the convention scene, like, ever. So, um, so yeah, I think they might be new. I'll, I'll have to go through and check um, if I actually remember about them. Because I think I've seen them for things for, like, Stargate and other things, but I'm not sure yeah, I actually... Yeah, if you click on the little inner ad at the bottom of, of Destination that's got their their logo on it there's like a bunch of stuff for sherlock i assume is a sherlock convention in the u.s so um okay no this is it um yeah sherlock um usa and there's also one in the uk as well um but yeah i'm not sure if they've been doing any of the other ones i know it's been media 10 with Showmasters. So I'm wondering if the fact that they may have partnered up with Massive Events is why we now have have the this... early advertising. Yes, because Massive just... Event goes, you have to do this, or you're going to ruin your your monetary investment. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's actually good the fact that they're actually doing this nice and early. So I do wonder if um that is the reason why. So, entirely possible. Hopefully they keep them. Yeah, well, usually it was Media 10 that was organising it in association with Showmasters. But um, I'm sure that was the case. As I said, I'm, I'll have to go and have a look. So, um, but yeah, it looks like finally somebody that knows what they're doing. So, um, Wish somebody would do that to the people over there at Creation. <laughs> Maybe well, Jerry would have a booth at STLV. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's something different. That's on their sort of trader side, but just for main tickets to um, do things as it was, um, just yeah, always bugged me. But it's it's weird because even between between the advertising for Destination and the stuff that goes on with creation at STLV, it's still a marketing problem. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. It's still a marketing problem. Oh no. Um, the problems with STLV that Terry Lynn from the GNT show had was not um, marketing. That was organizational um, with regards to people actually getting back to them. Them actually marketing the convention, um, that was done really well. No, um, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, it's the fact that you're trying to get a, a vendor's booth in the vendor's room. That's your marketing at STLV. It's still a marketing issue. It's related to marketing because your booth going into the vendor's room at STLV is a marketing issue. And if you're having problem with the people not getting back to you because who knows what the hell is wrong with them, they're interfering with your ability to market. Yeah, but it's not marketing in regards to the organizers. To advertising the event. I understand that. Yeah. I understand no. that. <laughs>
but yeah, I am very happy with the fact that they are advertising early. So, um, so yeah, of course that means that with nothing this year, that there's nothing to celebrate um, anything more for TNG's anniversary. Although, um, how much they did last year when I wasn't able to go, I'm not sure. Don't, don't worry. It was... Everybody says it was great. I doubt it was even half that great because everyone wanted to be there. It was probably overly hot. There was probably so many people that smelled because they were there all three days and didn't take a shower in between. Let's let's just let's just be honest. It was probably <laughs> amazing for about three hours being there and then it was just a why am i still here but um yeah it'll be interesting to see is whether or not i'll actually try and get a press pass this time because i was supposed to have got a press pass for um destination star trek last year but they literally contacted me I think it's three or four days before, and said, "Yeah, you finally you've got your press pass." And I'm thinking, "Well, sorry, I can't even go now because I'm working." So again, this is another marketing issue. Yeah, no, press, that press is definitely marketing. <laughs> no, media ten, so bad. It's just like, yeah, I deal with how many Star Trek podcasts, and sort of there are other people as well. Just like, have you heard anything? Not a thing. And it's just like, well, I'm not going to bother. I've, I've spent so much money on going to Vegas and things like that. So, yeah, I don't think many people that I know ended up going. And especially from the podcast arena um, that we I deal with. I guarantee the amount of people... The amount of people who said we're not showing up lit a fire under their ass to hire somebody who could do marketing for them. But yeah, it's just like... But no. Um, gives me some hope that these things are starting early. So, And of course, the main people they've got highlighted in um, are all DS9 crew. So... Yeah, it's a good start for celebrating. The... Well, aside from Shatner and, and Linda Park. Yeah, but the main thing they're doing is them all dressed as Ferengi, which is a huge thing. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Shatner is just someone most people get to headline these events anyway. Shatner's fluff. He is the yeah. glorified Queen of England. <laughs> well, it's just... He doesn't well, do much but officiate events and wave to people. <laughs> that's, I suppose people are just trying to get him in before he goes. <laughs> that's terrible, Midnight. You're terrible. <laughs> but whether or not he can actually finish the sentence. I was just about... Yeah. That was one of the things that made it really hard to actually get through TOS was just Kirk mannerisms. Just like, oh, finish a fucking that sentence. That that's that is not that is not Kirkism. That is Shatner in a bottle. I, I, I know, but it's just like he was that way in the fucking Twilight Zone episode too. But, There's something out there on the wing. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? 
<laughs> it was just so theatrical. It's just like, just say the damn line. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's head into community feedback. Community feedback. Join with us. Share your thoughts. Resistance is futile. Due to the fact that I'm not allowing, I didn't get a chance to actually post it in so many places. Um, and I even post it in the forums a little bit late. Um, we've only got the one bit of feedback from Alex Wonja. Oops. Nah. Well, be fair, be fair. We posted it late, but they had a whole week to respond. Yeah, but we often get <laughs> feedback from other places as well. It's not just the Stowe forums. And these last two or three episodes, I've not actually had time to actually get our, basically to announce that the episode is out. Um, the so. world is trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah. So, some so our do. first community question from two weeks ago was, what are your thoughts on this year's summer event in Star Trek Online? And Alex Wunger, as always, dutifully responded on the Stowe forums. Well, the last patch actually managed to hook up the missing voice lines. Although I'm not sure how they decide who gets voiced and who doesn't. Since there are, uh, since there are still quest NPCs that are completely mute. Shrug. And it seems like they finally fixed the grab multiple... Grab multiple flag bug within a week after they couldn't be bothered to do anything about it last year when I reported it. That's just so cryptic. Golf clap. And you know what else is just so cryptic? Y you might know that we can't grind our Rycian birds and monkeys into competitive marks. And on Reddit, Borticus said that it's too soon for that. Well, I kind of expected that. But here on the forums, another dev claimed that they didn't want to give out competitive marks per PB, for PvE because it wouldn't feel right. There were players who told him that some PvE events already awarded those marks, and others pointed him to Borticus's statement on Reddit. And he admitted he was wrong and he should listen to Borticus. Hey, cryptic. Communication. Ever hear of that? Even if you're not truly willing to talk to us, you should, I don't know, talk to each other? Well, in it's... some respects, that's a little bit unfair. The d most of these developers aren't in the decision-making process, and they may have just heard something. So they say what they heard and what they think they know. It doesn't mean that things are wrong. They don't need to know this information. That's not their job. So I'd say that's a little bit harsh. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Because if you have only heard something and you can't point to the official and go, hey, can you respond to this or tell me what I need to respond to this? And you just repeat what you heard, even if it's wrong, that's on you. Mm, I disagree. But go on. Apart from that, my issues with the biathlon and its unlock still stand. Oh, and people complain about the accolades because it seems like the events are only available for a few seconds every other hour. 
And why did they have to change it at all? Because Lighting 2.0 can't handle day-night cycles. I guess Cryptic couldn't just help being cryptic and took all kinds of shortcuts when developing Lighting 2.0. Shrug. Wow. Shortcut. One thing that happens for once a year can't be used out of all the things they had to do. It was a big update. It's not like it was a small task that just got... Ah, we'll just leave that. It was a huge thing to do, the lighting update. Just so, but you literally you literally have an event that depends on the day night cycle though. That the Rysian events, a lot of the quests in on Rysa depend on a day night cycle. Yeah, well the fact that something like that couldn't be done who's to say that they're not working on it, it just hasn't yet been finished. It's just again, people it's Yes, one th- basically one lot of stuff can't be done. You can't get accolades um, and finish off a couple of small quests, which is not the main thing that people do on that. Uh, well, sorry, they're kind of necessary, Midnight. Those accolades are necessary. Those particular accolades are necessary because they go to the uh master relaxer accolade and and the reason you have to have that accolade is because that is the only way to acquire the um uh some of the duty officers like the 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 top tier duty officers require that accolade the captain's modules require that accolade so it is literally quest line accolade crap that is dependent on getting shit for the Rasa event. Like if I go to the if I go over to the guy on the promenade because I want to buy the um uh the purple duty officer for the thing that makes me have a defense buff for popping a party ball, even though I'd never buy that thing in the first place. I have to have the master relaxer accolade. Which means I have to have seen I have, have I have to have danced at the fire pit at night. I have to have seen the couple argue. I have to have seen the fireworks go off. I have to have tried to participate in the Klingon Makbar ritual that they do in the morning. Well, they used to do in the morning. It means I have to have all four hide-and-seeks from Pavel done. And I think it may also require seeing all the little birds... The, the viewpoints from the little birds sitting on the, the little posts to get that accolade. I suppose I got the accolade within the first couple of days of it being out and before I got anything, so... On for how me, many characters and how many of those characters knew since Lighting 2.0? Um, I've probably only done those accolades on two characters, but I haven't really tried getting anything for the other ones because I haven't had time to do anything more than just on the one. See, because the duty officers and the kit modules, if I'm not mistaken, are bind on pickup, so they're bound to your character on pickup. So you have to have that accolade on each and every character to get those things. Which means these quests are wholly dependent on them being available. No, 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 no. Too hard, we'll deal with it later. I mean, you know, they talk about all the time. We plan what we're going to do next six months to a year in advance. Okay. In the meantime, 
you've got your summer and your winter events that you know are coming up. Nobody's programming in-house to make sure all of this shit works. I mean, I ran over to the fire pit the other day on my Cardassian. The moment I got to the fire pit, all of those people just vanished. I don't know if it was the end of the 20 seconds that was going on at that moment or what, but I was literally right there in front of those people and they just vanished. Poof. I didn't even get the little pop-up to say dance. It just, I was there and they vanished. They probably have a special if statement reserved for you. <laughs> Again, I'm, I, 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 look, my cynicism holds n nothing back. At this point, Cryptic either hates me or they just don't give a shit. But yeah, I can wholly understand Alex and other people's utter frustration at this. I mean, yeah, I understand that there are other there are other places out there who have wholly, wholly redundant reasons for having a day-night cycle. Because it doesn't matter for shit. But it matters on Risa. Because those quests were always tied to a day-night cycle. And those quests are dependent on getting an accolade for you to even get shit in the first place. Can't can't buy a hurricane generator if you don't have this accolade that requires you to get stuff that only shows up for 20 seconds every two hours. Of course, now it's now 20 minutes every two hours, but when is that 20 minutes start? It would be a nice little thing to add to your schedule that says, hey, these events have started. Go do them or go find them. Because when did these events start? Do they start when the Horgon hunt begins? The dance-off? The first artifact hunt? The second artifact hunt? The third artifact hunt? Does it, is it the biathlon? Is it the powerboard race? I don't know. It doesn't say. So yeah, when, 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 when stuff like this goes on, I can wholly understand people's frustration. I just don't give a shit anymore. Because I've been fucked around with too much. But yeah, for me, given the fact that I got these accolades so early on, I never knew that it locked out content. So what did you say the accolade was? It's called Master Relaxer. But yeah, I didn't know that it actually um, purchased um, stuff, or I'd forgotten. Because yeah, it just been so long. I mean, and yeah, if you're not one to run over and grab duty officers and kit modules and bridge officer modules, you wouldn't never even know that this is this that this was a thing because every other piece of content isn't locked behind it, as far as I remember. In fact, I just wasted like 750 favors on a piece of 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 swimwear I will never fucking wear on my Cardassian. Why? Because my Cardassian alien does not come with scales for a body option. So, imagine how fucking weird that looks. Cardassian face, Cardassian neck ridges, super smooth humanoid skin all the way down. Nah, brah, nah. Not gonna fly. Hell, that ain't even gonna walk. I, I just jumped back into my Intel uniform and just said, fuck it, I'm gonna stay in this. I mean, I would use the hell out of a Scales body skin, especially considering two of my characters are aquatic species. 
Yes, you can alien gen aquatic species if you know what the hell you're doing. The only problem is, guess what? There's no scaled hands option. There's no scaled body option. It's just the neck and the face and various other things on the face that you can manipulate to look quite aquatic. And any, 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 anyway. Our second community question was, are you testing Star Trek Timelines beta on Steam? And if so, what do you think? So Alex responded on the Stow forums, and he was being absolutely honest. Timelines, nice. Timelines had a short window of opportunity after launch to get a standalone, not Facebook, browser version out there. No matter how much you try to change my mind, I am not interested anymore. Seriously, I don't understand why you keep talking about it. No, he says, I understand why you keep talking about it. Oh, I, okay. I, I, I missed that. I'm tired myself. I understand why you keep talking about it, but let's face it. If I have to step away during the live show, I will try to do so during the timeline segment. You know, from now on, I should probably from refrain from commenting on timelines. At all. Not even jokingly. It seems like I might not get my point across otherwise. The thing is, he's not really said why he's not interested anymore. Yes, he has. He's said it multiple times. No, but there's going to be something for the desktop. So... And it sounded to me like he was interested in trying it, but couldn't. So now he's not just interested at all. But why not give the desktop version a try? No, no, so. no. See, here's the thing. They wanted a standalone, you know, we, they, before launch. Before launch, Timeline said mobile and desktop. Mobile and desktop it took over six months after launch for them to even come close to a desktop version and that was only through facebook a thing that alex has said time and time again he doesn't have he doesn't have a facebook and i am so proud of you alex that you haven't caved to that peer pressure of getting a facebook i did i regret it and that's why i won't let anybody pressure me into having a fucking twitter account because i just ain't that egocentric to do it you know you even though one. even though <laughs> even though people like this asshole sitting right here beside me go yeah but see you can connect with all these other people in the star trek verse and da 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 da, da and this that and it i'm sorry no you're not gonna do it anymore i did it once i didn't feel good afterward and i ain't gonna let it happen again i'm not gonna get no twitter congratulations alex on keeping your morals and not throwing yourself at facebook just for timelines Still, over six months to get a Facebook launcher. And now they're working on a Steam one. Now they're working on a Steam one. Yeah, no. Anybody who saw the advertisement of mobile and desktop before the game launched and has to wait a year after launch to get that desktop version, even if it is through Steam, yeah, it's one of those I've moved on scenarios last thing the desktop thing was before launch and they dropped it before launch when they knew it wasn't going to happen 
So just the fact that they couldn't get that working and organized beforehand. To me, it's just like, well, if you're interested enough to have wanted to play it in the first place, just because they couldn't do it on all platforms immediately, why would that mean you'd just not interested anymore? It's to me, it's just like, well, you can go and start when it gets released. You've now got something to try when it happens to see if you do actually like it properly and, and whether or not look, doing it on. Maybe he will do that eventually. But at this point, it's like it's like going to a movie theater that has advertised that they're going to have the new Aliens movie. And when you get there, sorry, we don't have the Aliens movie. We were supposed to get it, but we don't have it anymore. Are you really going to sit there at that theater and do something else when you wanted to go and see the Aliens movie? You're not going to. You're going to move on with your life. You're not going to sit there and wait for them to get the Alien movie to watch. Yeah. <laughs> if I want to go see a film and for whatever reason they can't show it, I go back another time. That actually happened to me with um, a movie recently. The cinema couldn't do it. I went back and organised another one because they had to cancel the midnight showing. Because the cinema couldn't get the licensing for it. Uh, I, maybe my metaphor is bad. My metaphor is probably <laughs> bad. The, the point is, they literally said, hey, we're doing this thing. And the the marketing department didn't push the hey guys understand we're not having a desktop version yet until they launched because that was still the number one question after launch when is that desktop thing coming that you promised that you said was going to come with this oh we're working on it we're trying to work on it is what we got not uh we had one but it didn't work so we're trying to figure out the, how, something how to do no it was never that response the honest response it was a uh, we're working on something well we don't know what the situations were and again as with most things with most companies is things like that you will never hear about it's just uh, i mean i can i wholly understand his point of view he doesn't want to go back to something that looked interesting, told him he could play, and then snatched it from him and made him wait a year to even get a half sort of inkling of being able to play it in the first place. But just because he doesn't use Facebook, it could still be done on desktop. And sorry, that's like saying, oh, I'm pissed off with this game developer because they said it'd be available for PlayStation, but they've only done it for PlayStation 4 and not the PlayStation 3 that I have. And I don't want to get another new PlayStation. Let's be honest, though. There's a huge fucking difference between a PlayStation and a mobile OS that changes every six months to the point that the phone that you could have, they could have played it two weeks ago no longer plays it because hello happened to me with yeah, timelines yeah and that's the same with anything on a windows or mac operating system something changes and all of a sudden something's not working that's exactly the same yes but see here's the thing the longevity of an os on a computer to be updated 
and then have a compatibility patch with said game is a whole hell of a lot quicker, faster, and more accessible than a mobile whatever the fuck. Because still can't play timelines on the pad, the, the, the iPad tablet thing that I have, that I could play it the first week I had the tablet. Well, just don't have Then crackle. updates happened, and suddenly I couldn't play timelines anymore because it wouldn't even load. Uh, that's what we get for having crackle. It's not, <laughs> it's, well, it's not even Apple. I'm just teasing. But no, I, I hope when it does properly launch that he does give it a try. It looks the fact that he had a look at and found out that it was just a short, short window that um, means that he was at least somewhat interested and will actually give it a try. Well, help, hello. The thing is, is a lot of um, things for like betas, they are always short windows. They want first responders who are quick to get in there. No, no, uh, that's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the window of opportunity for timelines to him after launch for having a standalone version. Uh, I still, I personally don't understand it. It's just like, you, if you're interested in the game, give it a try. If, if the you fact that it wasn't it better, Alex, go ahead and do so, because I've tried my best. But no, sorry, it's just, you're, you were interested in playing it, and the fact they didn't have it on the platform that you wanted straight at launch... I don't see why that's stopping you now. But because he's no longer interested in it. Like when you look at a whole bunch of these games that come out like E3 just happened. You see all these games that come out for E3 and you're like, "Oh, I'd like to play that." And then it gets delayed for 3 years. Uh you kind of lose interest in the game when it finally does come out. You're like, "Do I even really want to play this damn thing?" That that's not me. For me, it's completely different. For me, see, that's, see, it's that's delayed. The thing. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. Nobody, nobody is exactly like you in that respect. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm not saying that they should be. I'm just saying I don't understand why there is such an issue of him trying to play the game now that it would hopefully be coming soon. Um... But the thing is, if something was delayed, even if it was by years, if I'm interested in playing it, I will still go and play it. Um, oh, you, 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 yeah, that reminds me of all the people who wanted to play Duke Nukem Forever and the game that they got was pretty shitty. No, I'm, I'm being serious. It was literally shitty. You could pick up a stick of poo and write on fucking walls. <laughs> but... Um... But no, if I'm interested in something, just because it's going to take longer to get, doesn't make a difference. I'd still be interested in it once it comes out, because what it is, is still something that interests me. It's a bit like saying, oh, I was going to watch Discovery, but that got delayed by nine months, so I'm not going to watch it now, because I'm no longer interested. It'd be just like, well, why? What's changed apart from the fact that you've had to wait a little bit longer to do it? It's like, Something oh, I'm not, inter I'm, their life. I'm not interested game. in Game of Thrones because I've got to wait for ages now for the next one. I'm not interested in Game of Thrones because I'm not interested in Game of Thrones, period. No, uh, but you get what I'm talking about. It's just having to wait. Maybe it's just the British part of me, sort of, you expect to wait and queue. <laughs> um, like, I'm not even going to watch AMC's The Walking Fuck the Hell Out of Here because I don't give a damn. But, yeah, as I said... For me, if I had the interest, then 
if I then have the opportunity to do it, I would go do it. Um, the fact that it's been delayed for me personally wouldn't bother me. But but yeah, um, Alex will listen and respond, no doubt. Anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he can clarify in a in in, in a way that I cannot. Yeah, he, he, he'll explain it in one of his novels. <laughs> or that email he's supposed to send us again. So, so general feedback. Yay! More Alex. Cosplay NPC. You know, you've made a good point. Helena is a duty officer. That might have been a nice way to thank that cosplayer for using her 15 minutes of fame to advertise Stowe. Make her an entertainer doff who happens to be good at infiltration. Get it? Infiltration? Because of her ability to make costumes, yeah, I'll I'll be over in the corner. <laughs> but but no, some character artists spent time making this new hairstyle, while my female Vulcan tactical officer still has her shoulders clipped through her hula shirt. And no, I did not make her some freak of nature. She's supposed to be a slightly more buff. Or she's supposed to be slightly more buff, but I really don't like putting the sliders to max. I try to stay within the 20 to 80% range. Thanks, Cryptic. That was sarcasm. And they actually made a tweet about the NPC and the cosplayer. Where are your tweets about you getting your voice actors in the booth again? Where are your tweets on how you invited them to visit Cryptic Studios and meet the devs? Oh wait, you only ever did that for Vic Mononia and his significant other, Michelle Specht. Guess what? Both of them are voice actors. But most of them don't... Most actors don't go around the cryptic offices. Most of them are on remote locations in a sound booth where there's a Skype connection so the people at Cryptic can speak and um, talk to them and guide them on how they want things done. So for most of them, they don't. Now, when it comes to actors that have, um, you've got... Ah, uh, my blank... Um, Ashigar, um Crosby. Denise Crosby. Thank you. Um, she went to the studios and they did the same thing. They took pictures, they put it out on one of the blogs. So, yeah, if they go round to the studios, then sure, they will. But most of the actors, and I'm sure this is the same when it comes to um, the recent voice actors as well, is they're in a studio near where they are not at the cryptic studios they haven't right. gone to san francisco so but at the same time uh we know for a fact that wharf uh, uh rang in to los gatos you know a skype call from another from a remote location with his and he got an interview in pictures. That's because so, someone so had gone don't... out or was in the area to do that where he was not for anything else. Yeah, but see, don't tell me that it's not possible to do that, though. Yes, but if the people aren't out there, then they're not going to do the same thing. Uh, look, I don't know. I don't care. All I know is that Admiral Tanay is popping up everywhere, and it is infuriating because I can no longer escape this woman. I cannot... I, I tried playing Subnautica yesterday, and guess what? There was Admiral Tanay. 
in Subnautica of all things. I'm like, no, I can't even escape you underwater. What the hell? I I still yeah. don't notice her in the different this voice actor in the different roles she plays and stuff. I'm so glad you can't. I wish I was that ignorant. I have this thing where I pick up audio ticks. And her voice is so unique and so different because it has that underlying gruffness to it. That that gravility to it. It has that little bit of gravel in her voice. It is so unmistakable to me that even if she's changing her pitch and key, I can still pick it up and still notice it because that unique little signature of her voice is there. <laughs> and it's infuriating that I... It's more infuriating that I notice it rather than the fact that it's her always. I would be fine if it was her always showing up. It's the fact that I always pick up on it that pisses me off. <laughs> it's like listening, you know, when when we go around doing some of the stow missions, you're like, ah, oh, there's Adrienne. Because one of our friends, Adrienne Grady, does voices in Star Trek Online. And it's like, oh, there's Adrienne in the new mission. Oh, there's Adrienne in the new mission. Because her voice has a unique ring to it as well and i pick up on it and after a while that's going to start pissing me off and the fact that i know that already pisses me off <laughs> you just need to start playing with the no sound on stow <laughs> I, I, I just probably need to stop playing stow i don't do that See, just turn the I sound off. I was about to say, this is the part where the whale goes, No, don't stop playing! Just turn the sound off. These are often when I'm playing Stowe, I'll be doing several other things at the same time. So <laughs> I will often play with the sound off anyway. Because, yeah, a lot of the time I'll be watching like two or three different programs, mm -hmm. doing stuff on my phone, doing timelines. Um, answering some emails, um, even sorting out stuff on the forums. Um, although I haven't had much time so far this year to do a lot of that stuff. But um, but yeah, it's when I'm playing Stow, I'll often, or doing most things, I'll often be doing loads of other things all at the same time. So, so yeah, as I said, I tend to play with the sound off. Upcoming voice actor. So, Captain Gecko just tweeted about having another voice actor in Cryptic's recording booth. Which means it's not a voice actor, but a Trek actor. And I have a hunch at who it might be because I found a thread on Reddit. See, a Star Trek actor has been interviewed by a Star Trek podcast and revealed that he would be at Cryptic Studios to do a voiceover for Star Trek Online in June. I'm not going to put the link in here, but I'll get it to you. You already did. Thank you, Alex. I'm done for the day. Turns out it's J.G. Hertzler, everybody. Mr. Hertzler said on an interview with the Trek podcast that he was heading out to Los Gatos to do a voice for Star Trek Online in June. Which means, yay! Lass is finally going to have a voice in his mission. As I said earlier, it'll be good to see how many voices he does for Stowe. Which would probably drive you crazy if he voiced multiple characters. Uh, it does. <laughs> it does. Because... 
Do you know what I did when I realized it was J.G. Hertzler in that first episode of DS9? <laughs> what? I, the first words out of my mouth. No. Shit. <laughs> That's exactly what came out of my mouth when I realized it was Hertzler. <laughs> first time I, I saw, because, yeah, I'd noticed that a long time ago. It's just like, oh, here's that Klingon. That was it. <laughs> Didn't think anything else of it. <sighs> but thank you, Alex, for your feedback. And hopefully very soon I'll be able to start posting the episodes all the usual places so we can actually get more feedback because we do enjoy to hear what you guys think. Yes, okay. we want more feedback, especially from you guys over at Timelines. We miss you guys. Chatting us up in, in your discords with with responses to timeline stuff. Yeah, I haven't posted there recently either. Must do that. Okay, so let's get to the last segment. Any other business? Any other business? So, as has been referenced a few times um, during the show, I've been doing lots of walking. This is an aid of cancer research. And the challenge I have been doing is to walk 10,000 steps each day. So, and, and you're someone... having to play a little catch up this weekend, which is why you were stepping us. Yes, I had to stop because my Bluetooth headset died because we've been going on for a little while. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I had to stop and um, swap things around. Um, so, um, yeah, I am hoping to um, raise a total of a grand. So far, I have got um, just under 54% of my target. Um, so hopefully, um, come payday um, at the end of the month, um, Hopefully I'll get some extra donations to hopefully get me over to the grand mark. Um, even if you're not in the UK, um, you can still donate. Um, it will ask you whether or not you're a UK taxpayer. That's because if you are a UK taxpayer, you can give what's called gift aid. That means you, the tax on your donation actually goes to the charity. So if you're not in the UK, you can donate and you can then just select um, that you're not a ta UK taxpayer and that's it. So any donations um, would be um, very beneficial to a lot of people. So um, no how small it may be, um, I'd be very grateful if you would and could donate. Um, but yeah, it's been a troubling week. I don't do well in the heat for the best of times. Um, never mind with me going outside and of course when it's sunny and hot means more pollens and for someone like me who's got extremely bad allergies it's been a very bad week so um, yeah there's been days where it's been too hot for me to go outside without feeling ill so I haven't been out um, or I've had to work so I haven't been able to get all the steps done I will still be doing 300,000 by time end the end of June comes. Um, it just means that instead of doing 10,000 steps a day um, for this last week, I will be doing 14,000 steps a week. 
So um, fortunately, it looks like it's going to be a lot cooler, um, but I will get it done. So as I said, if you can, please donate. The link will be in our show notes. Um, or you can just go to fundraise.cancerresearchuk.org forward slash page forward slash Steve Roberts UK. So, or if you follow me on any of the social networks, um, you will be able to just get the link from my posts that I've made about it as well. So, that's it for this week. Um, we have a few community questions before we go, though. Yep. So our first community question, we have a, we have quite a few community questions this week because it's been a couple of it's been a couple of weeks. Our first community question is: How does the new Endeavor system feel to you? Is does it feel like a nice new challenge, or do you think it's a reason to shore up player numbers? Question two: What's your take on the Razor Cortex partnership with Cryptic? Question three, with the Discovery premiere date announced, are you eager to find out what the show is all about? Question four, what do you think of update version 2.1 to Timelines? And question five, should Timelines Fleet Honor Rewards be collectible from in-game mail? Let us know. So, if you would like to get in contact with us, we are all over the internet. You can get us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Star Trek Riser and Player.me. We're at Tribbles in XTC. You can also send us an email at hosts at tribblesinxtc.com or you can even leave us a voice message. So you can either head over to speakpipe.com forward slash Tribbles in Ecstasy or you can just use the widget on any of our pages on holosuitemedia.com. If you'd like to find out where to listen to us, you can either download from holosuitemedia.com or you can get us in syndication every Wednesday at trekradio.net or subspace-radio.net. And you can also find us on iTunes. And you can also get us on Google Play if you're in America. So, please get in contact. As we mentioned, we do love to get your feedback and we will always read it. So... Unlike many other podcasts who will just try and summarize your feedback or only answer some of it. We We're looking want... at you, P1. We know you do it. No, oh, I'm no. just kidding. We love you. <laughs> no, mo most podcasts um, do. They'll just um, get a load of feedback and they'll only mention um, some of the bigger ones. Luckily, um, we, don't, we don't get a load of feedback. We get Alex. <laughs> But no, um, if you leave us feedback, we will read it out, no matter what it is and says. Um, as we said, we do like to know what you guys think. Sort of the whole thing on Holosuite Media is have your say. It's what we do each week. We say what we think, and we love to know what you think as well. And if you're going to have a go, we're going to have a go right back. We've done it before. We'll do it again. So that's it for this week. We should be back next week. So, until then, take care, everyone.